Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. Oh, I almost forgot. Good morning, you beautiful fuckers. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, May 17th. We are here live. It's time for Destination Health. We are going to open up the phone lines right now. And I have to tell you, I don't have a theme or a topic for today. We don't have a guest. So today really is a health free for all for you. Uh, That also means you should pick up the phone and start dialing right now or I'm just going to start rambling. So pick up the phone and join us. Lines are open 855-950-3835. I usually get busy on Wednesdays, so jump in now. I'll stay here for the next two hours today or until we run out of questions. So jump in and join us you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all to do, uh, hold on one second. I will be right back. All right. Sorry about that. We had a uh, little disruption here in the studio. We've got it under control. We are here. Calls are starting to come in. Go ahead and uh, dial us up. Let's just get to it today. If you have questions about anything health-wise, we will tackle it. Keto, carnivore, blood sugar issues, digestive issues, whatever it might be, we will tackle it. If you've got a question, I've got an answer. Can't promise it's going to be right, but I'll have an answer for you. Uh, One of the the things I've been working on quite a bit, uh, back and forth, the stress protocol, I put it aside for a little while. Um, mostly because with the season changing right now, uh, my routine will change. I, I will, and th- that's what I'm working on. How should it change? I'm getting so much good activity right now and outdoor time and lots of movement. And my HRV is increasing, even though I'm not doing anything else to increase it. I've dropped the stress protocol, which is typically the stress protocol will increase your HRV over time as well. So yeah, I think I mentioned yesterday in the in the garden, I probably got over 40,000 steps in two days uh, over the weekend. And even weekdays, I'm getting up early and working out there. I'm going out later in the evening and working. All of that activity is really what the human body wants. And I've said this before, I think gardening is really, really close to the hunter-gatherer model that that we evolved as. It's the same type of constant, easy to moderate movement with occasional bursts of um, more extreme movement or, or harder movement. We get our heart rate up a little higher occasionally. For me, um, That's usually moving materials around in the garden, which I do a lot of. Seems like that's what I do most of. Move dirt, move rocks, move compost, move uh, old plants out. So, you know, that when you start moving wheelbarrows full of dirt and compost, or um, I build rock walls out of rocks that, you know, up to 100 pounds, you know, picking those up and walking around with them, um, that's that burst of, you know, more effort that's good. You can't sustain that for very long, but this constant movement, being outside in the sunshine, the fresh air, I do need to, uh, 
I'm going to retest my vitamin D. I do it every quarter. This one, though, I, I, um, I started early. Now that I've talked about this, now that I don't burn the way I used to, I'm sure if I stayed out too long, I would. But I'm able to expose a lot of skin throughout the day. And I'm kind of easing into it to the point where at some point I will be able to stay outside all day long with a lot of skin exposed and not worry about burning. But with that much sun exposure, I'm also going to really check the vitamin D levels. What I'm hoping for, I'm really hoping that if I do this consistently throughout the summer, really make sure I get out there, you know, get a couple hours at least every day of good sun at solar noon or right around that time that I'll be able to stop supplementing in the summer. I haven't been able to do that yet, but I haven't really tried to to get my skin kind of conditioned. So normally what I've done in the past is if I'm going to be out there all day working, I don't take the chance. I just put on, you know, long clothing, just real light. And then I don't have to worry about it and I wear a hat with a you know, kind of a veil thing. This year, I'm going to take the opposite approach. I'm just going to condition myself that I can handle that much sun and then try to get as much of it as I can and see if I can get away without supplementing in the summertime. So I'll keep you updated on that. Um, calls are starting to pile up, so I'm going to get to them. Uh, let's go to Indiana. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks, Kevin. Hey, uh, Let's see where was I going to start. It was, uh, yeah, I've heard you mention uh, a few times that, you know, that sh the shaking in the truck was not good for us, you know, and, and you know, one of the negative things about our job. I want, yeah, I wanted to know, oh, we got a bad connection? Uh, you're fine over here. Why? Oh, okay, there it is. Uh, I, I want to know in what way uh, would you say that it's, uh, you know, not the best for us and healthy, you know, as far as the shaking or the, or the vibration, I'm, constant vibration. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure I can explain the science because I'm not sure I understand the science. But here's something we know that constant vibration is not natural. We never experienced that prior yeah. to vehicles. So that that's how I judge kind of everything. You know, there's mixed science there. I did right. a lot of this work. I, well, I didn't do it, but I was I had access to all of this when we were working with Bose on the seat. You know, a lot of people looked at that seat as, you know, they wanted it to be the most comfortable seat they ever rode in. That's what they thought it was going to be and that they wouldn't feel the big bumps and it was pretty good at that. I mean, it really smoothed out the road, but the, the real idea behind the technology was to minimize the effects of that vibration all day long. It wasn't really to be the most comfortable seat ever and, you know, make you feel like you were riding in a luxury car. That wasn't the point of it. The point of it, really, it was more of a health issue they were approaching. And they had done the research on how much this vibration affected you. One of the things they showed, they they had a simulator there at at Bose when I went to visit. It just it's a you know full truck simulator, which was kind of cool. You would be driving through like city streets with people and pedestrians and crosswalks, and they showed what it did to your vision. And your reaction time was slowed down by 
right around a second, which doesn't sound like a lot, but one second in reaction time can be the difference between an accident and a near miss. So they, they would show that when, you know, a pedestrian stepped off and if you were in a traditional seat, your reaction time was about one second slower. And they said it was a vision thing because the vibration affected your, your vision and your brain reacting to those things. So there was a lot of deep science around health and safety. And that's what it was about. It wasn't for comfort. It was for health and safety. Uh, unfortunately, this engine or this industry just doesn't want to spend a lot of money on either health or safety. So it, it didn't make it. But that's where I really learned that vibration is a factor in our health. And unfortunately, without the Bose seat, there's not a whole lot we can do about it other than realize that it's there and do everything else in our life to be as healthy as we can be. Yeah, I, I did think about, you know, you always take it back to uh, not natural, you know. Um, and I, I asked because I've been having some weird uh, internal type pain. Um, and I was thinking, you know, being back in the bunk, you know, as, as team driver. So, you know, as we're sleeping, I'm all relaxed and I'm shaking around. Well, let, let's think uh, about that. We've talked about the fact that team driving for a lot of ways is not good for our health. And this is another one. You know, we so you, you will have disrupted sleep as a team driver. It's almost impossible not to. So that becomes a health factor. But then if this vibration is bad for us, and I think it is, I, yeah. what we don't know, we don't know a lot of the overall causes. I know. That, that's what we don't know. Uh, we don't know what it's going to cause health-wise, but I, I just know that we either need to minimize it or do everything we can to offset it. But with team drivers, now you're subject to that vibration around the clock, where a single driver at least gets away yeah. from it when they're not driving at least half the day. They're not exposed to that vibration. So there's, there's two ways we've determined that team driving is even worse than just driving. Yeah, I, so yeah, I was, ha what are your thoughts on uh, upper left side, not side, but upper left, uh, maybe where the spleen might be, is where I was starting to have a discomfort, that, you know. That, um, that is what you want to look at. That is the only thing really on the left side that causes us discomfort is the spleen. The spleen is part of our immune uh -oh. system. The spleen stores a lot of okay. um, iron-rich blood and releases it, you know, as necessary. But the spleen is a, a, an important part of our immune system. We can live without it. They, they take it out occasionally, but I'd rather not. Uh, and I'd like to keep it nice and healthy. Here's one of the interesting things. Um, one of the best things we can do for spleen health is Wim Hof breathing. Okay. It, there's yeah. something about yeah, that process uh, that, that works our spleen, and that's what we want to do. So if you start to feel that, you might want to double up. If you're doing the Wim Hof breathing already, you may want to double up and do more. If you're not doing any, I would start doing it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, occasionally, I'll, uh, I mean, well, I'll do it at least once or twice, you know, um, a day, you know, and even, in, even before bed and stuff. Or... Um, and, and yeah, I, and I was thinking that earlier in the week I was uh, feel fine all day. Then when I 
did go to uh, to the bunk, and then maybe two hours into it, you know, my body would like heat itself up like it was, uh, you know, the fever type thing earlier in the week for like two days, you know. And uh, yeah, so what of that wake, what that maybe I had an infection. Us is at some point you've you've got some sort of an infection going on. Could be a bacterial infection somewhere. Could be something that you ate and picked up something. But yeah. what, what we're seeing is the spleen and the immune system are actually working and doing their job. Okay. That's your thoughts on that one? That's, That's what that. I was kind of thinking too. Um, yeah. But have you, have you ever experienced it ever? Like if you fighting something off, had kind of a... Pain in your spleen? I have, and I never knew what it was. In fact, I've experienced it several times throughout my life and, and had no idea what it was, and uh, now I know. Usually if you're feeling something in the left side of the rib cage, right side of the rib cage, we have all kinds of stuff going on, liver, gallbladder, lots of things that our ileocecal valve is over there somewhere that can cause <clears throat> issues. But the left side, there's just not a whole lot going on over there. When you feel pain around the rib cage on the left side, probably spleen, probably something going on with your immune system. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I keep thinking it's going to, you know, it gets better, uh, feel better. And, and then, you know, then maybe I'll have another weird pain, you know, down, uh, but, you know, I'm getting better. But, uh, oh, so wait I've, a minute. I do, do know you, uh, there is yeah. one other thing we can do to offset the the bad vibration we can get. And this has a big impact on the spleen and the immune system and our lymph nodes are also a big part of this whole thing. Um, lymph fluid moves around our body and does all kinds of things. When we're inactive, we get sluggish lymph fluid. It doesn't move as well. It doesn't flow as well. And then it's not doing its job. And then there are consequences of that. The idea behind the vibroplate technology that I've talked about, Bulletproof makes one. You can just stand, they're just like big plates. You stand on it and they vibrate at a very specific frequency. That's the issue here. You can't just vibrate somebody and expect to get better or healthier. That's the problem. The, the vibrations we're experiencing in the truck are not natural. Those aren't good vibrations. Those interfere with things. We can offset that somewhat with this very specific frequency of vibration that starts to move lymph fluid around our body. That's one of the benefits of it. The problem I have with these um, they're really expensive and they're, I've tried, I worked with a, an engineer, we were building prototypes. We were trying to come up with one small enough to fit in the truck. The problem is because of this specific frequency of vibration, it requires a really big, powerful electric motor to do this. And it requires a very heavy base to stand up to this vibration. So I think Bulletproof, theirs is like $1,800. I mean, these aren't cheap and you can't take them with you. So if you're not getting home very often, I, I'm not sure what doing a vibroplate, you know, once or twice a month is going to do. And it's probably not worth all that cost. So I haven't been able to come up with a good practical solution to this 
Um, I have one that, you know, we built. It was our first prototype with the engineer, but it's big and it's heavy and it requires a lot of power. So I, I just, I can't come up with a way to make this, this technology practical in a truck. Yeah, hopefully I'm just, uh, like I said, maybe that's my immune system. Um, and I'll be fine in, in a few. Uh, um, and it's weird that it only does it when I go back in the bunk, though. See, so, but, but anyway, um, I was wondering, if, I, I know the IR products that you have, um, the blanket and, you know, the light. But um, didn't, you, didn't you test out or try out um, the, a belt type thing, the, a waistband or, or something? We have one in the store. It's kind of a, a okay, big, I was wide, big wide belt and a back wrap. So all the infrared lights yeah, and wrap. heat are on your lower back. It is really, really, was, and it's battery yeah. operated. So no cords. Um, it's actually the, it's a my high product. Um, so did you find uh, it's beneficial or, or I, I really, love mine. Uh, if nothing else, it's okay. just really comfortable to put on when you drive, especially in the wintertime when it's cold and, you know, heated seats are really nice. This is just that same kind of really nice warmth, but it is infrared. So there, there's actually, you know, benefits when we wear it. And it's one of those things that's easy to wear while you're driving. Okay. Uh, would you, would you uh, recommend, rent, recommend it for... Uh uh, you I'm know, gonna, for the price and all look, that. And I, I want to go look in the store right now. Hold on a second, because I sometimes I get two different products confused. Now, the the my high, we do have the portable infrared um, back wrap in the store. Uh, it's two hundred and forty nine dollars, and I do recommend it. I mean, I, I you know wear mine like mm -hmm. I said, driving. It's awesome. Uh, I don't have any lower back issues. I've never had like lower back injuries or, well, once I did, but um, I know exactly how I did it. And as soon as it healed, I've never had a problem since. But just doing a lot of gardening and it's, you know, spring and I'm back out there again and I haven't been active all winter. My lower back was just tired and sore and overworked. It wasn't an injury. But, you know, several nights I put that on while I was sitting reading and, and it has healing powers it was really nice yeah that's what i was wondering that is the infrared is it like a i mean i know you said the sauna is it i know you explained what sauna meant but um does it does it do something like that yes so the infrared like, oh, okay. we we have benefits uh, you know at the skin level it's good for our <laughs> skin it's good for collagen production um but it also is hot okay. enough that it makes you sweat and when we sweat, we detox. And when we sweat with IR, we detox even more because it's penetrating deeper into the tissue. This is, it's, it's a small version of the blanket that we can put on a very targeted area of our body, which is becoming a thing. I see Tommy Copper has all kinds of IR wraps now, one that fits on your knee, one that fits on your shoulder. It, the technology works. I mean, it's good technology. Okay. What if I turned it around where it was more on my, my internal yeah, organs? You could do that. <laughs> Would that be beneficial? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Every All part right. of our body will accept IR and, and benefit from it. Again, yeah. it's, you know, I just talked about this year, I'm not covering up anymore when I go out in the sun. 
I'm going to just keep exposing my skin over and over till I know I'm conditioned and I'll be able to stay out there eight or 10 hours without burning. And I know I can do it because my arms have always been that way. You know, I wear short sleeves in the summer and my arms, right, right. I don't get dark, dark tanned. I never will. I just don't have that much melanin, but I can get a protective tan that will stop me from burning. And from now on, you know, in the summertime, right. I'm just going to do that across my whole body. And, you know, I stopped using sunscreen eight years ago when I learned how stupid that was. Uh, but I and I started covering up and I thought, you know what, yeah. covering up really isn't natural either. It works and it's better than getting burnt or it's better than, you know, putting on sunscreen all the time. But why don't I just take the time right now, which I'm doing to get conditioned to this and then just stay out all summer with skin exposed that that's natural all right and then you'll start wing foiling soon huh uh yes i'm why i just it's funny you mentioned that yesterday i just started reading the wind report every morning uh getting prepared unfortunately i was ready to go this week we we had some crazy winds uh, unfortunately, they're all the wrong winds. I read the report, and it's just going to be garbage wind all week. They're hoping this weekend is when it'll shift, and we'll start picking up more of those um, west winds in the, the summertime is what we want. So, yeah, I would think I'll be out wing foiling within the next week or two. Wow. Now, right, when I cool. wing foil for this get- time of year— there's going to be very, very little skin exposed. <laughs> this water is coming off of Mount oh. Hood, and it's all snow melt. Oh, yeah, wetsuit. It is cold right now. In fact, I could really, with the water temperature, I could really use a winter weight wetsuit, and I just don't feel like buying them because they're really expensive, and I'm only going to use it for maybe a month. So, And cold exposure is good for yeah. me, so I'm just going to suck it up and go in with my summer weight suit. Yeah, sounds. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna probably probably pick that up and in, uh, in your store. Yeah, it, it's try a, that out. Like I say, it's a great product. Uh, it's a little pricey, two hundred and fifty bucks Into for a belt, but but I really like it. And we've been really impressed with the my okay. high quality. We've had very very few issues of any kind. And how long should I, uh, you know, wear it? As much as you want. Do a session or something. I don't. As oh, okay. much as you want. It's You really can't overdo yeah. it. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Have a good day. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's, uh, let's see. We are, yeah, calls are piling up. Let's go to North Dakota. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, I need a little bit of a refresher course for fermenting. How much... Brine and, or how do you make the brine? Okay, the standard brine is one quart of good, clean water. Um, When I say clean, we have to be careful. If you've got fluoride in your tap water, I wouldn't use that. Everybody has some chlorine in their tap water, but you've got to look at how much. Um, Most of the time, I wouldn't recommend using tap water unless you're willing to go figure out your water quality and check all that stuff. Go get a good spring water instead. Um, We don't want distilled. We want a good spring water with minerals and all that other stuff in it. But we don't want chlorine or fluoride. So you got to be careful about that with tap water. I can use tap water here where I live. They don't use fluoride at all. 
and our water's so clean that they use a very minimal amount of chlorine and it doesn't affect my ferments. If you've got too much chlorine in there, it won't ferment because it, the chlorine will just keep killing the bacteria. So good quality, clean well, water. Well, well water well should water, be fine. Yep, well I, uh, water sh- should be fine. Used a, I got a reverse osmosis. Would it be best yeah. to use that or just straight from the tap? I would try it both ways and see if if okay. it if it will ferment straight from the tap, I'd use it straight from the tap. Okay. Uh, so that's the water, two tablespoons of good quality salt. Now, here's the thing about okay. salt measurement when it comes to fermenting. The size of the salt crystals you're using matters. I have big what's called flake salt where there's, you know, you can get bigger rock salt, where it's bigger crystals of the salt itself. And I tend to use those for meat. Uh, uh, they really work well on meat. You get this bite of salt with it. And now on the other hand, you can get really, really super fine salt. Now I have that in, I think I mentioned the other day, I have five gallon pails of salt as, you know, backup emergency, that kind of stuff. Because I want to maximize the amount of salt I can get in a five-gallon pail, I have the finest grind you can get. Now, if you take those two and you do two tablespoons of each, you are getting way more salt in the two tablespoons of the fine grind. Most of the time, this ratio won't matter. You can use two tablespoons of any salt. What's going to happen is if you use a really fine salt, your ferment's just going to be a lot saltier. It'll still work. Might ferment a little slower, but it'll work. If you've got the the rock or the big flake salt, your ferment won't be nearly as salty tasting, and it will probably ferment faster. But I, I've I've done it from both extremes. So the two tablespoons to one quart works no matter what. Just understand that your salt size. And if you stick with two tablespoons can change the taste, but it won't change really how it ferments. It's going to ferment either way. Uh, and that's it. And, and okay. really, I spent a lot of time explaining a lot of little details, but here's really what it comes down to. One quart of clean water, two tablespoons of good salt. Yeah, put, put that in a separate container and then pour it into the jar with the vegetables. Yeah, so when, I, when I'm getting ready to ferment... My process is make my brine first. And the way I make my yep. brine is I've, I've got, you know, I, I, will, I have a recipe that does a gallon. Uh, and you can, you know, fill up a lot of quart jars with a gallon because they're mostly filled with vegetables. So a gallon is a lot of brine. And remember, it's water and salt. I mean, we're talking right. pennies here. So I have a recipe that does a gallon. I put the salt in first. I, I have a instant hot water dispenser. It's almost boiling. I put just enough of that boiling hot water in there to dissolve the, all the salt. And then I start throwing in ice and cold water and I can use it immediately. There are a bunch of recipes that have you do it with all hot water and then you have to stick it in the refrigerator, wait for it to cool back down. But if you use this process, just enough hot water to dissolve it, then ice and cold water, within minutes, I have a brine that's ready to use. So that's how I mix it. Then I start packing my jars. Once all my jars are all packed, then I just go by and fill them up from the pitcher of brine. And then you cover your, all your vegetables 
completely. It, that is a really big factor. You don't want anything sticking out of the brine. It will mold every time. It, it, it's the brine that is right. protecting the food from going bad and growing mold. And so we've got to cover. That's why we use weights, you know, glass weights on the top. Uh, I have ceramic weights in some of my crocs. You know, I have actually, um, Sarah and Vic have every, you know, Christmas, birthdays, that kind of stuff. They they buy me these really cool crocs. Um, so I'm, I've started a collection now. I've got, they sent me a really, really big one like the Europeans use for sauerkraut, where they just pack it full of sauerkraut and never change it. They pull fresh or, you know, new sauerkraut off the bottom of it and then pile new cabbage and salt on the top and they just keep that going. And then she, this year, she, uh, for my birthday, she just got me these cool crocs that, you know, the lid fits down. So it's kind of, they're big ceramic crocs, but they're self-venting with the lids. They've got the ceramic weights inside if you don't have weights, especially in quart jars, a really good substitute are cabbage leaves. Just cut a, a, you know, take a big, thick cabbage leaf, cut it, you know, slightly bigger than the size of the jar, and you kind of tuck it in at the top like a cap. And that'll hold everything under the brine, too. Yeah. You, do you need that type of cap on if you're doing asparagus? Uh, no, asparagus usually does a pretty good job of staying under the brine on its own. All right. Yeah, I won't That's use weights. That's kind of where I'm heading. So I, two tables. With asparagus, I don't use weights, but I, I will throw a, a cabbage leaf on the top just because it's easy and it protects it from something popping up and starting to mold. So two tablespoons of salt to one quart of water. That's it. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. You're welcome. All right. Just to, just to put you know, a finer point on the salt thing. This, we use these ratios and they work. They're nice and simple and they work. Once you start fermenting, you can ferment with more salt than that. At some point, you're going to get too much salt and it won't ferment, but you wouldn't want to taste it then anyway. It'd be really, really salty. On the other extreme, you can ferment without any salt. It's much more difficult and you better be very, very clean because without the salt, the other bacteria can take hold and spoil your ferments. I I've played around with it a little bit. I, I don't really like it because you need a little salt for flavor anyway. Uh, so fermenting in straight water without salt, it's difficult. You can do it. I've done it and I've got good ferments out of it. It's difficult. It usually ferments much faster if you get it right. Um, but I probably, in the experiments I've done, I probably had 30% spoilage. And when I ferment, you know, with salt, I'm, I'm almost at zero spoilage. I mean, I really very seldom ever have a problem with any of my ferments. And I don't work clean. I really don't. I mean, I'm not dirty, dirty, but I don't sanitize stuff I rinse off the vegetables, nothing else. I don't scrub them. I just rinse them off. Um, jars, uh, you know, I run them through the dishwasher when I'm done with them and then put them back in storage. I just take them out of storage and use them. I, I don't even rinse them off. And I've never had a problem with any of my ferments if I'm using salt. Occasionally, I might get some what they call cam yeast on the top. But that really doesn't hurt anything. You skim it off and you're fine. Let's uh, 
continue on with the calls. We're going to go to Alberta this time. Mike, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. What can I help you with today? Um, yesterday I had a, an episode of SVT um, where your heart rate goes crazy for no reason. Um, and they ended up with a heart rate of 195. Did they explain for about two and a half hours? There are a couple different common types of SVT. Did they did they tell you what type specifically it was? No, they didn't. Okay. I know they had to give me a couple shots of adenosine into my arm to get it to slow down. Um, did it respond? And then now. Not the first time, but when they up the dosage and give me the second shot, then it it finally did. Now, did they do anything uh, else to verify that this truly was SVT? And the reason I ask that is even if it does eventually respond to the adenosine, that's not a confirmation that it was SVT. Okay, well, this is just at the emergency, and they had me hooked up. They had the EKG machine on. You know, we can talk about this and I can probably answer a lot of your questions, but when it comes to this, I don't make recommendations other than you should probably get off this call and call Dr. Wolfson. Okay. I, I, I know symptoms. I know okay. things that might alleviate it a little bit. I could, we could probably figure out why. Um, we could talk about your diet. We could talk about all kinds of things, but, but ultimately if somebody's experiencing these episodes, you should be seeing a cardiologist, but I would never go see traditional cardiologist. I just wouldn't do it. I agree. Cause yeah, they were saying, well, either like yesterday you could either get the shock or, or the drug. And it's like, well, give me the shock. I don't want the drug. And correct. He still gave me the drug. So, right. Right. Yeah, I would really do a consult with Dr. Wolfson on this one. Fair enough. Sounds good. Well, thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. And uh, let us know how it goes. Give me a call back. Give us an update on that. Let's uh, let's go to Nevada. Ron, welcome to the program. Did you say Ron in Nevada? I did. It's your turn. What's up? Oh, okay. Hey, Kevin. I uh, was at the Rogue Food Conference this past week, and and uh, did you get anything from them by from, any chance? From who? What? The Rogue Food Conference. Oh, no, I forgot that that was even going on. Oh, okay, okay. I, hopefully, you're going to be, uh, they're going to send you some stuff. I told them uh, you would have liked to be here, but you were, uh, in playing in your garden, you couldn't, you couldn't leave your garden. Yeah. This is the one time a year. I'm just not going to travel. Um, I'm really happy that I was home. I've got the best start ever on the garden. Um, I just went out this morning and finally got all of my tomato plants put in one place. You know, I always try to make sure I have enough tomato plants and, you know, I want to start them early because the earlier you start them, the longer the season will be. On de- on indeterminate plants, determinate plants have a specific lifetime. So whenever you plant them, you've got so many days. So just randomly here and there, every time I had a couple of minutes, I'd grab another tray and plant some more tomatoes. I finally got them all in one place. And I realized I now have 200 <laughs> tomato plants. Last year, I had 100. Yeah, and, they, and, and, 
the harvest was incredible. Now I actually have 200 tomato plants going. Well, you're just the guy to do this. Uh, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping they'll send you uh, videos of a guy playing a mandolin that says Chinatown Band, okay? Okay. And I'm looking, okay, I, I want to supply music and I also vend, and I want to do it at uh, uh, Farmer's Market. Okay. I uh, okay. Chinatown band's a pickup band. Okay, and I know there's truck drivers all over that play, and they got plenty of time to practice. And uh, I'm looking for a farmer's market, and I'm thinking ahead, and I think maybe in October you ought to have a farmer's market up there, and I'll. Uh, the Chinatown band will come up there and play with a pickup band of uh, guys that listen to your show and drive trucks. That would be I, fun. I, 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 so here's here's yeah. where I'm at. Okay, on that. okay, good. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, is actually something I've been thinking about and working on. Here's where I am right now, and that's part of why I will probably put all 200 tomato plants in the ground. I don't think. Lisa and I could process 200 tomato plants. Um, last year, it was a lot of work to do 100 because there's other things going on. I've got peppers coming in that time of year. I had a lot of cannabis that had to be processed. It was a really, really busy time. And if we double the number of plants, I so I thought, well, maybe we should start doing some farmer's markets. I mean, I'm producing enough. I'm going to have you know, tons and tons of garlic scapes here in a couple of weeks. It's one of the most popular things at farmer's markets because it's the only place you can get them. I mean, you can't get garlic scapes anywhere else or kind of that treat, you know, late spring. So that'll start happening. So we are, um, we're talking to the, our town here and we're looking at, we, we kind of sort of have a little farmer's market that got started um, I, I think we're going to work on expanding yeah. that. And then we have two other farmer's markets really close to us. We have one in across the river in Stevenson, Washington. That's five minutes away. And 20 minutes down the road, we've got a pretty big one um, in Hood River. If we wanted to go to Portland, we have some really big ones in Portland. But I try to stay away from Portland. So I, I think we're, we're going to start doing the farmer's market thing this year. Okay, this is what I have, Kevin. Uh, you know, when you read stuff about health and, you know, how to, how to, you know, be healthy, they always say play music is one of the healthiest things you can do, okay? I've been a musician <clears throat> all my life, except for the 20 years <clears throat> I spent driving the truck. And that's how I know you. I, I spent my 20 years listening to my XM radio, okay? And uh, what I got is music. That's what I do. You there? Yeah, I'm listening. Oh, okay, okay. So, so I do, I do uh, Chinatown Band. I convert guitar players to mandolin players 
because that works better in the truck. And then I got something that you're the only guy that would understand this. And they're exercise violin. Okay. The best way to keep your music skills sharp, no matter what instrument you play, is playing the violin. Hey, I have a question okay. for you about that. And, okay. I, I, I love music, and I agree Go with ahead. you on the music thing. I think it's healthy. I think it's really good for us. I, I keep saying I should learn how to play something, and maybe someday I will when I can find some time. I would really, really love to play the piano. If I could play an instrument, it's probably going to be the piano. I love piano music. But music itself, I, I agree with you on all this. But I have a question. What's the difference between a violin and a fiddle? Okay. None. None. I didn't think so. It's just <laughs> no, the same thing. Right? The fiddle is normally, it's, it's the same instrument. A fiddle is just a different kind of music, just like, you know, everybody associates you know, bluegrass and fiddle, uh, uh, mandolin and uh, bluegrass music, you know, everybody associates those. Okay. Uh, I, I, uh, I didn't know anything about bluegrass music. You know, I, I'd been playing, I, I started off, I listened to Jeff Beck and Harvey Mandel, Jimi Hendrix, and that's how I learned to play guitar. And uh, like I said, I played, uh, I was always, I always had the musician thing going on. Yeah. No matter what I did. Yeah. Okay? So, and, uh, so I, I'm glad I finally I solved in, that mystery. In, it's the same instrument. We would call it a violin <laughs> or a fiddle based on what music you're playing with it. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. In, in a viol- like a, a, prefer- uh, a violin player, you know, somebody that's really good uh, would put on his resume violin and fiddle if he if he could play you know if he yeah. did both okay but yeah you know so that it, there's really no there's no and uh but, a mandolin and a violin are the same thing really uh, except yeah they're, they're tuned they're tuned the same except the mandolin's got eight strings and frets but other than that they're the same all right, so uh, and, uh, I I love that song by Bruce Hornsby, "Mandolin Rain." Yeah, yeah. That's I'm about all I know about mandolins, you... by the way. So I I know the song. That's about it. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Good. So you know, well, it's got it's kind of hey, interesting when when we look at this violin music is like you know kind of highbrow, you know, classical. Um, it's it's kind of an extreme up there, oh, yeah, yeah. you know. Typically, you only hear violins in you know a really classical, um, and then it's the other extreme, like bluegrass, and, and that's like a hundred and eighty degrees. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Yeah, and I, I, over the years, this is one thing I found out about violins. Violins is. Most people that aren't familiar with playing one think that you have to have perfect pitch to play one. Okay, you don't. The 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 real exercise, like I said, I got these exercise violins that, uh, you know, I, I I show you how to do it without you. you well, I, all you got to do is 
tell somebody, hey, you don't need perfect pitch. I'll show you how to play, you know, to learn it. Got it. Uh, so we got these so, electronic tuners and all that now. So, uh, I, I learned I learned on the uh, fretless bass years ago because it's sent, you know, fretless. People are afraid of the fretlessness. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always be been. I, I've always been terrified of fretlessness. <laughs> I don't have a clue what it well, is, but I've been terrified of it my whole life. <laughs> fretless, like a fretless bass. You, you know what I'm talking about? No, I have no a, clue. A bass that has no really. Uh, okay, no, I, I, I have no idea. Upright bass. Okay. No. No, none. Okay. Uh, upright bass, uh, upright bass. You know, doghouse bass is bluegrass. Call bluegrassers call it. Is you know, it doesn't have frets on it. It's just like a violin. Okay, and they make. They also transfer the same thing to a regular so, electric bass, like a. So hold on a, a second. A, this, yeah, there's a guy. Hold hold on okay. a second. This is going to mean a lot more if you tell me what a fret is. A fret? Yes. You know, on your on your guitar. No, I don't know. You know those steel things. I, I, that assume that I know absolutely nothing about instruments, because that that's about how much I know. I have no idea what a fret is, so I have no clue what fretless okay. would be. Okay, okay, okay. A fret is those steel things on the neck of oh, the okay. guitar. Now I know what it is. That makes they sense. Tell you where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, and a violin doesn't have them. Oh, okay. But a mandolin does. Okay, there's a whole family. Mandolin, mandola, mandocello, okay. and mando bass. All right, and Ron, I'm going to stop you there. Go along. I, I love this conversation. This is the most <laughs> music we've ever talked about in 16 years of being on the air. Um, I want to cut to the chase real quick. Here's what I think I might have heard. Okay. If, if I get local farmer's markets set up and we're attending them, you're going to bring a band and play there. Is that what I heard? No, I'll come and play there with a pickup band of guys that are out there right now driving trucks playing. Got it. Okay. okay. We'll work on that. And, 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 and you know, I, I, I'm pretty good at doing the band thing. Good. I, I've been doing it all my life. And, uh, uh, actually, you know, when you talk about, uh, your days back there in Ohio, that's where I, I'm from Amherst, Ohio. Okay. I, and I, I'm six or nine years old, so I'm a little older than you, but I, that's where I started playing music. And, uh, Hey, I have a question I for went you. From that, I, moved, I, I, moved. I have a question for okay. you. Are, are you a Michael Stanley fan? Okay. <laughs> I okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm familiar with Michael Stanley. When I was there, are you a Phil Keggy fan? Never heard of him. Never heard of him. He he was in a band called Glass Harp. Uh, He's the guitar player in a band called Glass Harp. That sounds vaguely Is familiar. Uh, vaguely, but uh, not really placing it. Yeah. 
that was more than my crowd. So, um, I, I, since I got off on Michael Stanley, I'm going to tell the story because it's kind of a unique story. I, I'm a big Michael Stanley fan. Been to I, I can't even tell you how many yeah. concerts I've been to. Everything from tiny little bars that he used to play in to the Agora at Akron and. Uh, Blossom Music Center, I've seen him about a gazillion times. That's an outdoor. Uh, I've seen him down on the waterfront. Um, I've seen him at the waterfront airport in Cleveland. I've seen him all over the place. Him and Donnie Iris um, played together a lot. The interesting thing about Michael Stanley, never made it big nationally. He had a couple songs that broke into the charts. You might hear him on the radio now and then. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he ever made it Let's into the top the 10. On the road. Yeah. yeah, but here's the thing about him. He had one of the strongest local followings I have ever seen. And I know everybody's got their local bands that didn't make it. But here's the difference. Uh, Blossom Music Center, it's an outdoor venue in the uh, Cuyahoga Valley. Beautiful place to go watch a concert. Um, if when the big name yeah, bands, yeah, I've been there many times. Oh yeah. yeah. They, they would bring in big, all the big names back in the eighties, nineties when they were doing big concerts, Oh yeah. You know, Hart, yeah I remember. Hart and John Cougar, huge ticket. They might sell out one night and they might not. It, it was, you know, some of the big bands could sell out one night. Um, and, and some of them did pretty regular. Some would get close. Michael Stanley and Donnie Iris would sell out three nights in a row and sometimes do a fourth show. That's how big they were locally. They would blow away all the big national uh, bands in a, in a concert locally and just never yeah. made it. Donnie Iris actually probably had a couple bigger hits than Michael Stanley ever did. Now, now I can't I can't remember him, but I I remember Michael Stanley. I I've, yeah. see, I've they, seen him. I'm a I'm a, a little older than you. Yeah, I'm, if, I'm a little older. I I graduated from Amherst High School in uh, 1972. Well, that's that. Michael Stanley's actually a little. That's the age. I mean, he was. I, I was kind of a young. Yeah, listener yeah. of Michael Stanley. He had already been around about a decade before I started listening to him. Same with Donnie Iris. He had been around in the 70s making music. Um, Donnie Iris had his big hit was Alia. If you hear it, you'll recognize it. Um, he also yeah. um, Love is Like a Rock. He had three or four that made the charts. He's from yeah. Beaver Falls, was, Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, if, if if you look at the history, there was another band called Breathless that was kind of an early version that had a lot of the same members. Then uh, Michael Stanley kind of came out of that, and then some of the band members in those three bands moved back and forth. I mean, they played together all the time. Yeah. I have a right. similar story. Hey, about, hey Ron, about a guy I, who's, uh, I, I, I hate to do yeah. it, but I, I'm going to drop you. So we don't turn this into an entire music show, but let's let's keep talking about this. Um, calls are piling up, which is good. Keep them coming. Uh, we are going to move along, though. So, Ron, well, let's continue that conversation. That would be fun. That might be, if we could pull that off, might be a fun local event. Now, I have to tell you, these farmer's markets here local are pretty small. And we're not talking about big events here, especially the one we're trying to get started here in our little town. It's really small, but uh, I'm trying to change that. If we get if we could get a good farmers market going here in town, I think we could actually pull people from Portland. 
because they'd come out here to be in the gorge anyway. So let's go to Iowa. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. So um, I think a couple of days you were, there were drivers calling about his kidney stones, and then you mentioned about light balance. And I have asked you, uh, I have a friend who's in her 70s, and she has restless leg or creepy crawlies. And I was, I got her some of these bee, uh, uh, hemp gummies, but it didn't work. So when you mentioned about light balance and three caps, I kind of was curious if I'm, I'm, uh, I feel for her because if she can't, if she's not getting a good night's rest mentally and all kinds of issues, uh, and I, I, I want to help. I don't live in Texas. I live in Iowa, plus a drive, so I don't really have a way to help her other than I just want to. And uh, I'm listening to that call and thinking, is it possible that light balance would give her some relief? Uh, it's possible, but you know what my next question is going to be. Yeah, her diet. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yes, yeah. you do. Yeah. If we don't know somebody's diet, it's pretty safe to assume it's the standard American diet. Yeah. And it's pretty safe to assume when when people have symptoms like this. And I bet if we asked her, she probably has all kinds of other health issues she hasn't even mentioned. So you can do whatever you want. If she were to call me and say, do you have anything in your store that would help me? I would say no. Right. And I know that. I, I know that, yeah. You can try That's it. That's the first question it, you always it, ask. What's it, your diet like? Right. Yeah. If she were on yeah. a good, clean diet, then I would be more confident that we could target some nutrients and fix this for her. It might be light balance. It might be Actimag. Right. It might be another form. We could play around with a couple different things. But I don't want to waste anybody's money that is eating the standard American diet, trying three or four different supplements, because the odds are none of them are going to work. Yeah. I agree. Another question on Twitter. So I'm just starting to navigate how to do that. And you're talking about after this show and Thursday, how do you, is it online list? Is it listening on Twitter or you will be right in Twitter. It's called Twitter spaces. Are you doing Twitter on your phone or on a laptop? Yes. Phone? No, I don't have a laptop. Okay. Uh, On my phone. It's much, much easier on a phone. Spaces has been designed for the phone. It kind of frustrates me because I want to work from a laptop and it's difficult in spaces. When you are scrolling. So if I go to. Hold on. When you are scrolling your feed, look at the very. Are you on an iPhone or an Android? Android. Pixel. It may be different. I'm not sure. On an iPhone, when you're scrolling your feed, Right at the very, very top of the screen, there's a little bar that will be scrolling by, and it's all the spaces that are going on at this moment. And you can join anybody's space. You don't have to have an invitation or anything. When you see a space on Facebook, you can just jump in and listen. Um, I I was talking about Is it called Spaces? It's called Spaces. Yeah, that's the that's the part of Twitter you're going to okay. go to. And they're going on all the time. It's interesting okay. on one of the spaces right. I did last week, um, one of my regular listeners was on there and we were talking about this. And he said he he listens to spaces now instead of podcasts. He will just randomly watch the spaces. Oh. And if he sees something interesting, he clicks on it. He has said that he's been in a space that went on for nine hours. 
go, this is not following you on Let's Truck on Twitter. This is basically going to Spaces and looking now, you up. Now, Twitter is a part of Spaces. It, 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 or Spaces is a part oh. of Twitter. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're not opening a different, it's right there in Twitter. It's just a, a it's not your feed. It's these live audio conferences. There's no video. It's an audio conference, like a conference right. call. And anybody can start one and anybody right. can join and they can have up to, I think it's two co-hosts and up to 10 speakers at the same time. So it's a different, it's a different format. It, it invites more open conversation. Unfortunately, one of the things that's happening with MySpaces, and I knew this was going to happen and I'm trying to fight against it. I've been in other spaces. I check them every day to kind of learn what people are using them for and how it's working. Every other space I get into, it truly is like a free-for-all. Everybody's talking. It's kind of fun. My space, the hardest thing I have to do is get other people to talk. And I think they're so used to just sit sitting and listening to me talk and then having a caller ask a question. But what I want is I don't want to be the leader of the space I just want to be another participant in the space. I, I want it to be more open dialogue. So I, I'm just going to have to keep pushing for that and get, getting people to understand. And I think sometimes people are probably nervous to jump in, but that, that's, that's the idea behind it. It should be kind of like, you know, we're all sitting around in a room just talking and there is no speaker per se. Okay. So I don't have to go looking for you, just go to spaces and you're going to be right there? There's two things you can do that will make sure you know when I'm doing a space. Uh, If you follow me, that's one. There's also, when you go to my page and you can click on follow, unfollow, there's another button there. Let me go make sure I'm describing it right, uh, what that particular button looks like. So when you go to my page at the top... uh, Oh, I'm going to have to go to somebody else's page because I can't see it on my own. Uh, Hold on one second. I should just be able to go to anybody else's page. There it is. Okay. So you've got in the upper right corner, right under the banner, the follow button. And then right next to it is something that looks like a little bell with a plus sign. If you hover over it, it says notify. Click that notify button on my page then anytime I do anything on Twitter, you'll get notified. If I post, if I respond, maybe even likes, I'm not sure. Uh, But when I go on to a space, you'll get notified and you'll just click on it and you'll be right there. Okay. I think I'm looking at it now, so, but I don't want to touch it unless I get disconnected. So, okay. And and the other thing I was listening to, well, in Instagram, I came across something called the PLU codes. And they were saying that uh, fours were, uh, gen- or, you know, with sprays and pesticides and nines were organic. And um, there was another one, but I just wondered if you heard of that. And even if it, it's just more when you go to Walmart, and you're picking out fruit and you see the codes that there is a lot of fours. So that does tend to make sense. I bought my first apricots and it's like, ooh, already. And, uh, but anyway, I just wondered if you heard of that and if you could- I- Bounce off of that. I know what PLU codes are. I ignore them completely. They're meaningless to me. Yeah. They're okay. Really, it's really a retail right. thing for pricing. That That's really all it is. There isn't any good, accurate information in there that we can benefit from. Okay. 
All right. That's kind of everything that I have. Today is my 59th uh, day or year of Around the Sun, which I really like that idea that I've actually accomplished something. Ah, there you go. Happy birthday. Congratulations. Thank you, Kevin. All right. We will talk to you soon. Let's go to Tennessee. Daryl, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How you doing? Doing wonderful. What's on your mind today? Okay, so I just had some blood work done, and I've listened to your show for quite some time, but I guess I didn't listen good enough. I got a couple of questions uh, on, uh, of course, their cholesterol. They're hitting me on that. It was like 159 on the... You know, so, on the bad and two twelve on the total. Uh, so, so what they're saying? Are they are they telling you have you have high cholesterol? Yes. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> so that that's you know I remember there's two guys that used to come on XM or Sirius, one of them, and I can't remember their names. But if I'm not mistaken, years ago, cholesterol totals were either 250 or 300. So I'm yeah. wondering if they keep bringing it down so they can still sell Absolutely. more drugs. Absolutely. They've been doing it for years. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I can tell you the whole pattern. I can tell you every time they changed the number. And every time they changed the number, they gained tens of thousands of new customers. It's a scam. It's yeah. a total yep. scam. It is 100% a scam. And it's dangerous. Okay. Not only okay. does it waste your money, yeah. if you follow their advice, not only does it waste your money buying statins, statins are not good for us. They are horrible for us. We do not want to lower our cholesterol. Cholesterol is good for us. My cholesterol is in the hot, my total, which is a meaningless number anyway, but it, it there's, it, it's not meaningless. It's just not all that meaningful. But I, 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 what I know from that number is I want mine to be high. I want mine to be somewhere between two and okay. 300. And it is. I'm in the mid to high yeah. 200s yeah. most of the time. And that's fine. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, scratch that one. That's good. Uh, the next issue I had, I, I took some, I had a issue with belching and stomach problems. And I took some of your Altron Teal. Okay. And it seems to be better, but but I don't think there's something still going on. I think either because I'm still belching. I'm just wondering if I'm not because uh, I do a lot of the NDK coffee. I wonder if I'm not digesting my fat. That would not cause belching. Did that? Okay. That would what, not what, cause No, what belching. it will cause, okay. it, it can cause other issues that we can watch for. It can cause um, a lot of diarrhea. Because the your the fats will run right through you, um, so if you're experiencing yeah. diarrhea, now you can also look in the toilet bowl, and in extreme case, well, it yeah. doesn't even have to be a really extreme case. You can actually see the water will get kind of shimmery, and you'll see oil on the surface. Yeah, yeah, that's our best indication. I mean, we can I'm gonna say it's about 50 50. Oh, yeah. You no, know you, I mean? you are definitely having a problem digesting fat then, but that's not the cause of your belching. So I need to get one of your kits. Uh, I would get the fat digestion kit. So where and would you continue. go in there? Now, so here's, here's my recommendation based on the symptoms you've given me right now, and I'm not looking at a NutriQ. And I don't really need to. I mean, the, the, we know this stuff pretty well. I would do 30 days of the fat digestion kit, and it will probably take care of it. 
If it doesn't, do 60 days. Okay. Uh, and call me after 30 okay. and we can talk about it. But it, it took me 90 days. It took me three full kits to finally get my fat digestion right. And once I did, for the most part, yep. it, it stays right. It's been right for a couple of years now and I haven't really messed with it. Um, I would continue taking the Atrantil. If you finish a full bottle of Atrantil and you it's helping, you said, but not completely. If you finish a full bottle and you still have some symptoms, I the next bottle I would be would be our Atrantil Advanced. We have another product and it's designed I'll for do. this. Some cases don't fully resolve with Atrantil, so we have the Atrantil Pro. I think I forget what we call it. Um, so that's what I would do there. Okay. And, and that will probably take care of both of these issues pretty quickly. Okay. All right. So, and on my blood work, she had 5.7 on my, uh, what do you call that? Uh, A1C. Pre-diabetes, uh, A1C. Uh, I think anything above 5.6 or 5.6 up. So let me ask you and this. Do you, I ever, I eat good. do you ever monitor your own blood sugar? Go ahead. No, I do not. I would start. there. That A1C is okay. telling us a story, but only a very, very small part of the story. Uh, honestly, what I would recommend, oh, okay. uh, blood sugar is important enough that I would figure this out. It was 100. Uh, yeah, th see, again, that doesn't tell Where me the anything. Was 100. Right. That, that, it, it, it's yeah. just a yeah. snapshot. It, it, you know, I could get anybody to 100 glucose on any day. I could take somebody full-blown diabetic yeah. and I can get them to 100 glucose. So that one reading doesn't tell us a lot. Here's what I would recommend. Gotcha. Um, you're going to spend a little money to do this, but blood sugar is important enough that I would do it. Uh, I would wear a continuous glucose monitor for two weeks at least. And that's really, I, I think you have to, okay. I think the only program I know you can get a month. Um, the company that will do this without, you know, needing to go to your doctor and convince them you should have one, they probably won't prescribe one for you. And the reason they won't is because of insurance. The insurance company will make them stick to a certain guideline before they can prescribe it and you don't meet that guideline. So um, NutriSense is the company that we work with. We don't have any kind of a formal okay. program. We don't make any money on this. We just recommend them and we've had them on the show. You can go to the, anybody can go to them and get a CGM. Their doctors are gonna, going to prescribe okay. it to you and it, insurance isn't going to cover it. You're going to have to pay for it out of your pocket. Okay. But I would do it. I, I would take their That's shortest program, whatever yeah. it is, probably one month is their shortest. And in one month, you're, they're going to mail you two sensors. You're going to put a sensor on it, last exactly two weeks. Then you're going to put the second sensor on and you've got another two weeks. I wish they had a two-week program okay. because I, I can teach people an awful lot in just two weeks of wearing this. Okay. It seems to be I've lost quite a bit of weight. I mean, That's when I good. say quite a bit, probably 25, 30 pounds, but I can't get, I'm, I've hit my stall, you know what I mean? Around the, I'm 6'1", 211, okay? Right around the midsection. The bloating the bloating has been held with that Altron Teal. Yes, uh, good, good. So what, what would be your ideal weight? For some reason. Two, 195, something like that. So you're 10 or 20 pounds away still. Yeah. How, act yeah, how, I'm how active are you? 
I, I work local for a company. I work 60 hours a week. And, okay. do, you know, like Saturday and Sunday, that, I took the dogs for probably an hour walk each day. Oh, you know what I mean? So you're, Hiking. You're getting plenty of activity then. That's one issue. Sometimes we see that last 10 to 20 pounds requires a little bit of extra activity. It, my pattern is very, very clear. Yeah. In the wintertime, I stay right around 155. In the summertime, I fight not to go below 145. I have to work at it. I mean, I, I have to, you know, eat more. Uh, sometimes even when I don't want to. Uh, I don't like to be down at 145. I just feel too lean. Um, but yeah. it's because of that increased activity that I end up dropping another 10 pounds or so, sometimes 15. I've gotten all the way down to 140, and I really don't like it there. So it sounds like you're doing enough activity. Yeah. I think what we're going to find is your that last 10 pounds in your stall is caused by your digestive issues. If you're not digesting all this fat you're eating, so. then you're not getting the benefits of the high-fat diet the way you should be. Okay. All right. Makes sense. And so uh, the last question, I know you're busy. Um, I don't know if this is a trade secret you got, but instead of me eating these, because I like something sweet, but uh, instead of eating those round ice cream sandwiches from Walmart, what what is that you put in your ice cream to make it like the eggs and the something you put in there? So the base recipe that I started with, you can actually find it on Bulletproof's website. So if you look up Bulletproof, oh, really? yeah, if you look up Bulletproof ice cream recipe. They have they have a couple, but they have one that you're going to look at it and go, oh, my God, there's like a dozen eggs in this thing. I looked at that recipe and I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, I love it. I looked at that recipe and I'm like, wait a minute. This is health food. I, eggs, eggs. You know, I'm going to use obviously good quality, you know, local eggs here. And I'm like, yeah. this, this is health food. Eggs yeah, are, that's Amish re- egg. yeah, eggs are really, really good for us. And this ice cream's almost it's just loaded with eggs and yolks. And and that's part of what helps make it a little softer, because if we don't put sugar into ice cream, it gets rock hard and dry. It is really, you know, we put sugar in for taste, but in ice cream, sugar is the biggest factor in making really, you know, rich, creamy, soft ice cream. It requires a lot of sugar. Right. So there are a couple tricks that can, can get you closer to that, uh, we can use some of the gums. I prefer not to. Guar gum and a couple other things will help, but I prefer not to do that. Um, a lot of eggs help. The fat and the eggs yolks will help. And I do put a little alcohol in my ice cream. Alcohol will, okay. will stop it from freezing so hard because alcohol won't freeze. So I will typically use like flavored vodkas to go along with whatever, you know, flavor ice cream I'm making. Um, like I, my favorite ice cream flavor is coffee. So there's actually, I found a coffee vodka and I'll put like two, um, like two shot glasses in a, in a batch of ice cream. And that, that just keeps it soft. Um, so those are, are some of the tricks that'll help a little bit when you're, yeah. So start with that bulletproof recipe, add a little alcohol if you want, that helps a little more. And I've just played around with it and tweaked it. I'm not even sure how different mine is anymore from theirs. Well, I want to thank you. I've I've been eating that grass fed beef since, you know, I started listening and uh, I can't get beef out of the store unless 
It, I'm not saying I won't eat it because if I get hungry, I will. But I, I know not if I got a choice, I, it has no taste. Yep. No, it doesn't. That's the it's worst terrible. part about it. I mean, I know so, it's not as good for me, but I, I don't like to eat it just because it just doesn't have much flavor. When you get used to grass-fed beef yeah. that's raised right, the flavor is just incredible. Unbelievable. So, Kevin, thank you for all you do, and I know you got a lot of calls. So You're welcome. You. You're welcome. Thanks for your support. Let's go to Minnesota. Paul, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Good. Oh, you caught me just in the middle of a pickup here, but I, I think I'm good for a few minutes. All right. Regenerative gardening. I read uh, Dirt to Soil. Great book. And I got questions. Okay. Um, you know, he's uh, he's raising all this cattle on all these acres. I don't have cattle. I Me got either. a garden with some raised beds in it. And so what do you, you do? Well, I guess the first question is cover crops. Yep. That's what you're going to um, do. That's the solution get, to they not. They get so tall. Uh, well, I'll tell you how to fix that. I actually love this. So this is the solution to not having animals in your garden. Uh, it'd be awesome if we had chickens okay. pooping and cows pooping and goats and pigs and all of that. You know, that would be wonderful. I, I don't have that. For a lot of us, it's I, not practical. I, I can go scoop some of that stuff up. Uh, and if you can, go do I it. Usually use, uh, um, yeah, I usually use uh, composted manure. Perfect. From an organic farmer in but, that area. Perfect. So, but I, I fill the beds with it and then till it all up deep. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, so keep adding it. You don't have to till it at all. Just lay it on the top. You know, I, I'm going out today to um, compost my onions because they're getting close. The onions I planted last fall, they should be harvesting here soon. Uh, unfortunately, this heat wave we've had, we've had really, really unusual hot weather all week, which has been good for some crops. Um, onions don't like heat at this point, and about 10 of my onions uh, flowered this morning. Once they flower their toast, they do it because they got overstressed from the heat. And all you can do at that point is pull them, and they look like a giant green onion or a leek. They don't have a bulb yet. And, but they'll never develop that bulb. Okay. Once they flower, they won't develop that bulb. They, they are ending their life because they got stressed and they're trying to put out a flower so they can reproduce themselves. But once they start growing that flower, they will put no energy towards growing the bulb. So you got to pull them out. Um, but when I compost okay. them, I just, put, I just put three to four inches of, of compost right on top of the soil and just leave it there. I don't work it in at all. Compost like wood chips, compost uh, like no, a compost leaves uh, or so a straw. The compost that I get from my local garden center is composted forest products, leaf litter, um, you know, bark, dust, that kind of stuff. It's composted uh, cow and chicken manure. Um, there's some other stuff in it. it it's a blend, but it, it's a composted manure. And if you can buy composted manure and you're fine buying it, then do it, bring it in. It's awesome. But I would still cover crop and okay. the cover crop is what we call green manure. It, it does a lot of the same things, you know, animal manure will do, but it, it's plants. It's green. I have a blend here of seven different, um, crops in my cover crop. Um, and they, some of them get really tall. I just mow it. If they're in raised beds, just use a weed whacker. Yeah. Just cut it down and it'll, now when you cut it down, all of that stuff you're cutting lays there and that's the compost. That's the green manure. 
So as long as it's growing, okay. like I have a half of my garden right now. I just planted a cover crop about two weeks ago and I won't plant anything in that spot till like July. It's going to be my peppers. So I'll let that cover crop go. And as it gets long, I'll just go down and keep mowing it. And, and that's more and more. The more we mow it, the more green manure we get out of it. And you'll be dropping pepper plants in? I, yeah, so or, it, or seeds, uh, plants. So that's why I'm waiting because okay. my pepper plants, the, the strategy for my pepper and tomato plants right now is that they are under the lights in my grow room. Uh, so my grow lights come on at about four in the morning. They go off at about eight o'clock at night. So the peppers and tomatoes can use all the sun they can get. I want to grow those things as much as I can before I get them in the ground um, starting around June 15th to about July 15th is when I plant all my tomatoes and peppers, but I want them as big as I can get them before I put them in the ground. So like this morning, they, okay. the lights came on at 4 a.m. I was up at six. They had been under the lights for two hours. I move them outside. The sun's coming up at six. They'll be outside all day and eight o'clock tonight, the lights will go off, but I'll put them back in the grow room tonight. So I am maximizing the amount of sun I'm getting on those with real sun all day. If it's a cloudy day, they'll stay in the grow room under the lights the whole day. So I want maximum growth out of those, okay. and then I'll start planting them around June 15th. And what I'll do when it's time to start planting in that part of the garden, I will go in with a cultivator. It looks like a tiller, but it only tills down to about three or four inches. So that's really cultivating. You're not tilling. Okay. And I'll till that green manure right back okay. in. Okay. So, okay, it's something specific, like uh, little seeds, like carrots, radishes, stuff like that. How would I go about planting them? I don't have a cover I, crop on there. I got some weeds in the beds now. Couple options. You can just, but, here, here's one option take those seeds and mix them with sand or a really fine compost. A lot of times compost will get really, really fine, almost like sand. So mix that in and yeah. then just throw handfuls out there and hope for the best. And then you got to go in and do a lot of thinning. That's one way. What I like to do though, I actually buy what are called pelleted seeds. So carrots and some of these really tiny seeds are, I don't recover my own. I have recovered them. I know how to do it. It's a lot of work. And those little tiny seeds are a pain in the ass to deal with. So I know how to recover seeds and I recover them every year in case I need them, but I don't use them. Every year I buy what are called pelleted seeds. So they take the that tiny little black carrot seed that if it drops in the dirt, forget it, you will never find it. Um, and they coat it with mm -hmm. like a, a white fertilizer. So you get something about the size of a BB and it's white. So they're super easy to plant. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds way easier. You, you, I was confused as to how to put rows of carrots in, you know, that's how Take a little it, trench is what I normally would do. So, yeah. And then you try dropping those seeds in and you drop six instead of one. They're so tiny and then you can't find it. I believe me. I know <laughs> this is why I went to find a solution to this. You can, from different seed companies, you can buy a lot of different seeds that are pelleted. They do all the tiny, tiny seeds this Rick way. Recommended, I'd like um, to get them by this weekend. Is it something my, you think I might find locally or do I have to order? I've never seen pelleted seeds local. 
doesn't okay. mean they aren't so there somewhere. I just haven't about seen Johnny's, Johnny's seeds. My three seeds. Like my that? three seed suppliers are Johnny's, Annie's, and Gurney's. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, be- Annie Gurney. Yeah, exactly. All right. Be- between those three, I can usually find everything I'm looking for. And I can usually find a lot of pelleted seeds with all three of those. You can get pelleted beet seeds. You can get pelleted onion seeds. It, they usually will do it to all those tiny seeds because they're just so hard to deal with. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. Now, there is uh, a, one other there, thing you brought up, peppers. I do which, have I do have okay. another strategy for tiny seeds when you're planting them in pots to start them you know, in a pot first. Um, I would skip all the pots. They now make these little um, seed pods and they're just little plugs of coconut core. That's all that's in them because coconut core will hold a ton of water and it's easier to put one tiny little seed in one tiny little pot and get them started like that. Unfortunately, carrots and beets don't do well you can kind of get them started, but you got to transplant them pretty quick. Um, but there is another trick. If, if I don't have to use pelleted seeds for these, I have this little, and you can get it from the garden centers. It's like a little squeeze bulb. And then it's got all kinds of different size tips to put on it. So you squeeze it and you can pick up one tiny little seed with the suction. And then you just give it a little seed and it drops right where you want it. Huh. Okay. All right. You mentioned something in the past. I remember that I just thought of this now as you were talking about peppers and planting, planting them late and everything. But you said something about a, like a pepper fertilizer, and I thought you called it pepper popper. But every time I search for that, I get all kind of recipes for jalapeno popper. Uh, yeah, that you would. So here's you where recall? you're, you're going to go to drjims.com, and it's J-I-M-Z. And you'll find that product, pepper popper, it is incredible. Uh, it will triple the number of peppers I get off a plant. So D R G I D R J I M Z. Yes, Doctor Jim's. D O C T O R. Yeah, Doctor Jim's. Um, I get several D-O- products from them. They have something called planting tabs. Um, they're these little pill kind. Well, bigger than a pill, but a little round tab, and you just drop it in the hole, and it's actually bacteria good bacteria that are good for the plant's roots. So I, I use those. Um, he's got a product called chicken soup for the soil that is kind of a spray on liquid fertilizer. I don't use it that way anymore. I just use it to make my compost tea. So the only thing I put on my garden now is compost tea. That's the only fertilizer I use. I make a couple different recipes, one of them with that chicken soup for the soil. So basically you take a five gallon bucket, throw in a handful of worm uh, castings, which is basically worm poop. Uh, Throw a handful of that in the bucket. Um, I'll put in a quart or it might even be a half gallon of the chicken soup for the soil. And then you fill the rest of the bucket up and let it sit outside and ferment for a couple days. Anywhere from three to six days, depending on the temperature, and it'll bubble and foam, and um, that's all I put on the garden anymore. And then I just pour that. If you have leftover and it sits there for three to six months, is that a problem? Or I never have leftover lasting out there in a bucket. This I I, it'll be fine. But I never I you I go through you know five gallon bucket every week. I mean I'm constantly watering with this stuff. It's it's almost hard to overdo oh, it. Yeah, okay. it's it's it's. I put it on constantly. So I, I like right now. I have a 
I have four buckets always going. I have four five-gallon buckets always working, so I've always got stuff there. And like this weekend, I will put all, I'll start another four right now, and then this weekend, I'll put all four out on the garden. And then I always have them sitting there. Um, it's a really easy way to kind of feed your small plants without burning them. So I will take just a, a small watering can. Burning them with like too high of yeah. nitrogen is what would burn the plants, right? Nitrogen is the okay. worst so if offender, I, my right? Organic farmer, my organic farmer where I get uh, a composted cow and horse manure, he has chickens too. And he said, well, try this, Paul. Uh, just take this chicken shit put it in a bucket of water mix it up with like a drywall uh drill bit thing and let that sit out a couple of days and, and use that would that be that, that would accomplish the same thing that's compost tea that's exactly it there just think about it as people have different recipes that's all this is my chili isn't exactly yeah. like somebody else's chili my compost tea is my recipe Everybody kind of has their own favorite recipe to make compost tea, but that's what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Well, uh, I've been doing this for years, but somehow along the line you passed me up, so I'm asking you. <laughs> well, well wait, till, uh, wait till you see the results from compost tea and cover crops. Those two things. Oh, one more. I, I never seem to have enough hay or straw. I use an awful lot of that in my garden now, and I never used to. There, You just don't see bare ground in my garden. If there's bare ground, it's going to get covered with something. And when I put in a cover crop, I use a lot I of... I thought straw would be... Yeah, okay, yeah, and I thought straw would be a good thing oh, a few years back, and I put a bunch of straw while I had all kind of seeds in it. I'm it, like, well, this is it, dumb. I'm trying to keep the weeds down and I'm just planting more weeds. It, it, but it, maybe this isn't so bad. It, it can, but honestly, the weed issue isn't nearly as bad as what everybody made it out to be. You know, I was so convinced, oh my God, those weeds are stealing nutrients and water from my plants. Well, come on, let's think about it. I've got a hundred giant tomato plants there and I'm worried about a couple little weeds stealing nutrients and water. Really? I, I, Is there I, any way that I, a guy now, like me now could I will, take a, a I, virtual I, tour of your garden? Yeah, I'm going to do that again. Or pictures? I, yeah, I need to start posting. Well, you did it before. I have. I've done full video Is walk arounds. Uh, I think it is. I think it should be on Healthy Tribe somewhere. Or we only have one site now, the Tribe site. It should be on there somewhere. Let me see if I can find it today and highlight it. I, I, I should just do another one. I, I should just do a live you know, video um, right in the tribes and just walk around and show the garden. I was doing it for a while. I just wasn't sure if everybody was really interested in it or not. I would be. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that then. I like Based doing it. Based on a lot of your other callers, I think they would be too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, cool. I, I, and this is a good time because I am, oh boy, I'm really happy with my garden right now. It has never looked like this this early. My first problem was today with my, my onions being a little overstressed and they were growing so good too. Um, here's, here's, how, here's how sensitive this kind of thing can be. I have two completely different beds of onions that I planted last fall. Same variety, same everything. The only difference is the location. So I, I have what I call the upper garden, which is right behind the house. That was the first garden I started. Then I got into it so much, I bought a lot next to me. 
and turned the whole lot into a garden. That's the lower garden. So I had one set of onions in raised beds in the upper garden, and they were growing fantastic. Biggest onions I've ever grown. The lower garden is doing okay. Not quite as big, but they're they're doing okay. And I'm getting ready to compost and feed them for the first time this year. The interesting thing was the only ones that went to flower were the ones up in the top garden in the raised beds. I don't have a single flower in the lower bed. They're fifth, they're 25 yards away from each other. More sun in the upper? Or I, probably more sun and more heat. Yeah. Longer sun. Um, it, it gets more sun late in the afternoon that the lower garden doesn't get. It's kind of blocked by my house. But that one difference was enough that, you know, with a heat wave this early, it's it's really hard on that upper crop. Yeah, right. Mine's all flat and the same. And not, I don't have <laughs> 200 yeah. tomato plants. That's crazy. I, it is, and I didn't I even. Like I, I didn't even know I had two hundred till I got them all together this morning, and I'm like, "Holy cow! I have a lot of tomato plants, and they're looking amazing too." So I'm really happy. But I go through. I just started this morning. I go through each individual plant. I'm pruning them. I prune my tomatoes a lot. So right now is the first pruning of all these tomatoes, and I feed them. I inspect them. That's the difference between gardening and farming. In gardening, I, I want to be working with each individual plant in the garden. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pruning is something I should do on the tomatoes, the deter- or indeterminate ones. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, I prune my I don't determinants. Know. I just don't have time to prune 12 I, tomato plants. You do 200. <laughs> I, I, I should be able to find time for that. I will say I put a lot of time into my garden. I really do. I mean, it, it is. I, I put more time into my garden than most people put into a part-time job. Yeah. It's just, I, I love doing it. That's why I I keep over 14 hours. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm fortunate working at home, controlling my own schedule. Cause if it's a nice day, when I get off the air, I'll go out work in the garden a couple hours and then I'll just work on, you know, work stuff later tonight. I'm fortunate that I can do that. And I, Love it. I can't seem to get enough of it. That's why 100 tomato plants wasn't enough. This year I have 200. The next thing I have to do is go count my pepper plants and figure yeah. out how many of those I've got. I wouldn't know how to get, pick everything. It takes forever to... That's, uh, yeah. that that's is the, yeah, that's that, a lot of time. <laughs> that's what's going to limit. If I can't figure out how to harvest and process more, that's what's going to limit how much I can grow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, All right. Well, hey, I you know, appreciate it. Maybe, appreciate everything you do. Maybe I just need to um, take a quick trip down to the southern southern border and, you know, put together a little crew of migrants to harvest for me. Well, there you can find them. Just go to the Home Depot. They're probably in the parking lot. <laughs> there you go. We'll be all set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I got to go strap my load. There Thank you go. Thank you so much, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. We uh, we have run out of calls. I was wrapped up in all the calls. I wasn't watching the board, and I looked up, and they're gone. I will give you uh, about a minute to jump in if you want to. If not, um, I could get on with my day. I've got a lot going on. Tomorrow. Is today Wednesday? Yeah, it's Destination Health. Tomorrow, uh, we've got a guest I'm pretty excited about. 
Uh, I've known David Owen for years. I, I don't know him all that well. We've talked a couple times here and there. I said we've attempted to put some things together uh, project-wise, and it just never kind of happened. David reached out to me here recently, and uh, we're talking. We spent two and a half hours on the phone. Uh, him and I think a lot alike in a lot of areas, so I'm excited. David Owen is the president and co-founder of NASTIC, the National Association of Small Trucking Companies. Uh, I've been recommending getting a membership with them for years. Great organization. They have the best fuel card in the business for owner operators. Um, David's going to be joining us tomorrow. We don't have a theme. Uh, we haven't made any notes. We both decided that um, we don't need notes or themes when him and I start talking. You never know where it's going to go. So I have no idea what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. We will open it up for calls. So jump in and join us. You can guide where we go. Um, but, uh, oh, oh, here's another one. I was supposed to talk about this yesterday, but I'll talk about it today. We've got a special. Lisa loves running specials in the stores. Um, get a free bag of regenerative organic almonds. Funny, we were just talking about regenerative gardening. This, I think that they are the only regenerative almond farm in the country. I think they might be. I think I remember that. Not sure. Um, somebody, when we posted this, somebody made a big deal about the oxalates in almonds. I will address that. I still eat almonds. I still eat almond products. I'm not giving them up. That's why we still have them in the store. The oxalate issue, it's up to each individual to manage their oxalate load. We recommend starting at about 250 milligrams a day. A serving of almonds is about 120 milligrams. So I can eat a serving of almonds every day and I can still fit in a couple of other things with oxalate. So yeah, almonds are really high, really high, but they can still fit. And I'm not giving up almonds. That's why we still have the products in the store. So it, it maybe you can't fit almonds into yours. I don't know. Everybody has to choose which, which high oxalate foods they're willing to keep in their diet. But I, I don't rule out almonds. I'm not ruling out beets. They're high. I just have to manage that daily load. That's all. All right. Um, some more calls are coming in, so let's take them. Let's go to Indiana. Matt, welcome to the program. Mike. Hello, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Uh, I wanted to chat with you a little bit about deodorants. I know a couple years ago, uh, I started on a journey to try to find something that was aluminum-free because I got a little concerned about, uh, you know, ingesting and spreading aluminum about my body. Yes. And uh, I've tried a couple different deodorants and, you know, I've been a little disappointed in different areas with them. And I was curious if you had any thoughts or if you had any ideas about anything that would be an antiperspirant also. Uh Yes, I definitely have thoughts about this. Uh, so let's talk about them. The first one I would say is try to give up the idea of antiperspirant. Deodorant's okay. okay. Um, honestly, we would be far better off if we put nothing on, but I get it. It's life that offends people. Um, so we're going to do something, but I, I would... It, when you sweat, if it's just sweat and it, there's no real offensive odor, who cares? That doesn't bother anybody else. So 
I don't try to stop the sweat because anything we do to stop sweat is not good for us. Our body wants to sweat and we should just let it. So that's the first thing is, is try to get over the fact that we need to stop sweating. Now, look, if you're going to an event and you got a dress shirt on and you don't want giant stains in your pits, okay, I guess use something, but I would minimize that use. Um, Odor, we want to stick with products that are primarily uh, coconut oil, clay, and essential oils. So uh, I thought that Primal Life had a deodorant. We talked about it. I'm not sure if we're carrying it in our store, though. That's one option that I would look at. I need to go find out some more information about that. I'm looking in the store. Thought they had something. Maybe there's a reason we're not carrying it. Maybe we just didn't know if it would, enough people would be interested, but I'll look into that. There's another brand that we've been using and I can trade on my counter. And I I will say this, and this will probably offend people, but on a day where I'm going to go out and work in the garden or I'm going to be doing other stuff and I'm probably not going to be around people other than, you know, my family, I don't use deodorant. Anything, nothing goes on. I do that as often as possible. I skip using anything as often as I possibly can. If, if I think I need to use something, I have a brand that's basically coconut oil, a little clay, and I think essential oils. I just can't think of the brand right now, but I'll look into the primal life and see what the issue is with that. All right. That sounds good. I've tried the uh, Lumi brand and it's effective, but it doesn't smell the best. (laughs) And uh, I also tried uh, like a salt kind of rub or something like that. So here's my stone. I've been meaning to try Lumi. I, I like the concept. Lumi has the right concept. Lumi is using good bacteria to crowd out the bad bacteria that causes the odor. Lumi is a really good idea. I just haven't had time to look into it yet. I didn't know that it had a weird odor. There might be a quick fix for that, though. A, a, drop, of a, a drop of essential oil in there worked into that, if, if we can do that, might take care of that. Worth giving a shot to, I imagine. I, I, I'm gonna, yeah, I, that, the funny smell with the Lumi stuff kind of goes away after, you know, a couple hours. Yeah, it's and, it's, and it's not bad after that. But when you first put it on, it smells kind of funky. Yeah. Okay. So, like I said, I think we might be able to kind of fix that with the, you know, maybe like a good, you know, essential oil that you like the fragrance of a cedar or a, uh, there's a couple I could think of that peppermint would be kind of nice. Um, that may fix that. I, I'm making a note because I've been meaning to go check this out. And uh, now that you brought it up, I think I'm going to do that because I like that idea. That's okay. what, that that. So here's the thing that's interesting. You know, if you talk about not wearing deodorant, people call you a pig. And I mean, I've been called all kinds of nasty names just for talking about this. <laughs> the, the, the truth of this is. When you go find these few hunter-gatherer tribes that still exist in the world, and when Weston A. Price traveled around the world and did this, one of the first things he reported is these people don't bathe. They, They live out in a jungle. They don't have soap of any kind. They don't have deodorants or any of these things. He said they have zero body odor, none That's because when we checked the the microbiome on their skin, it is way different from ours. They have bacteria that we never see. And it's that bacteria that keeps them kind of odor free. 
They they have good bacteria. Well, imagine that, over all the years of correct. That's what it takes. Say, I meant, uh, over the years of bathing, we've washed all that off and killed it all. We, probably, that's so. exactly what we've done, and we continue to do it. I have talked to people who said, if you can go long enough without using deodorant and without scrubbing your body with harsh soaps and all that stuff, that over time, that body odor will disappear. And what we're doing is we're creating an environment where the natural good bacteria we are supposed to have thrive and they'll crowd out the bad bacteria that causes the odor. But most people can't make it that long. So this idea of Lumi is we're adding the good bacteria. So I really do like the idea. It, it seems to be an effective product for I, keeping I, the, the odor down. I, I mean, even I, for a couple of days, you know. But so. That's the interesting thing. You know, the, the best deodorant on the market doesn't even work for a day and a half. I mean, it, right. you get one day out of the best deodorants on the market and they're bad for us, really bad for us. This Lumi, I've heard people say like 72 plus hours, three and four days sometimes. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're not in an environment where you're producing a lot of, right, you know, or perspiring a lot, I, I think you probably could go that long, really. So now so. The, the one thing I have not done, like I said, I, I haven't even made the note to do this. It's just been in the back of my mind. I have not looked at, Lumi closely. I don't know if maybe they put some things in there we don't want. I, I just don't know that yet, but I'm going to go do that because as long as there's nothing in there we don't want, I will probably start using it. Okay. Well, I look forward to you doing a little more research on it and giving us your opinions. There you go. All right. Thanks for the call. Good topic. We are working a lot more now on you know, diet, food, we've got that pretty well down. We keep researching, but I'm doing a lot more work on um, kind of personal care. We have the the awesome dental oral health line. In fact, I'd love to hear some feedback from people. I know those kits are starting to hit. People are using them. I love it, really. I, that whole system is just amazing. The more I use it, the more I like it. So I'd love to get some feedback from people. Let's, uh, let's go to... Indiana. David, welcome to the program. Yes, Kevin. My main question is regarding a situation I have that if I'm understanding you right, you might have been experiencing it yourself a couple years ago. And that is where sometimes within five or 10 minutes after I eat something, I get a nauseation type feeling in my stomach. Other times it may be a half hour later. Here recently, in the last couple of weeks, just my NDK coffee in the morning is producing the same thing. Now, in that situation, normally I try to eat an hour or so after I have my coffee, but if I drink the coffee and I start getting the sensations that I'm knowing that's coming on, I'll immediately grab a couple of hard-boiled eggs and it will go away. So that's a good fix. You know, just drink the coffee with some food if you want. If you really want to extend your fast more and you don't want to add food, there are a couple things we can do to help. Um, one, you can take some hydrochloric acid. Nausea is usually a sign of weak stomach acid. So, and it's not weak enough to cause, you know, reflux and some of those other issues, but it's weak enough that um, if we eat something with too much fat and protein, it can just create a little nausea. 
So um, the other thing we can do with your okay, coffee well is try taking a couple beta plus. Because beta plus. Just the beta plus with the coffee. Yeah, beta plus or hydrochloric acid or both. You try experimenting with those two okay. products and see what works. Um, the the stomach acid, like I say, tends to be if protein causes us some nausea, hydrochloric acid tends to work. If it's fat causing us the nausea, which it will, too much fat will, um, then the beta plus will tend to, to make that go away. I've had the same thing the last couple of weeks. Funny, I just mentioned this to Lisa yesterday. St- almost every day now, about an hour after I finish my morning coffee, I get a round of nausea. Well, that's, that's the funny part. And that's, you know, and I'm a lazy person in a sense that if something doesn't create a problem on a daily basis, I tend to overlook it. Well, about the time this starts happening, I'll start paying attention to what I'm eating more or my routine and such. And then the next thing you know, it goes away and I might not experience it for a month. But here lately, it's been coming back. So I thought, well, when, when you said you didn't have any more calls, I thought I better jump in there. I'm out here in the nowhere land and don't have any distractions. So, yeah, but you're so, basically saying it's it's low stomach acid. I, it, it could be right if it if it's again, if it, if we eat a, a protein heavy meal and get nauseous, then that's going to be hydrochloric acid. If we eat a fat-heavy meal and get well, nauseous, most all my beta plus might be the better option. Okay, I guess I'm going to have to try to focus more on what I eat. I eat more carnival. I mean, carnival, carnivore. When I'm out here on the truck, I mean, I load up with meats and eggs when I leave the which, house, and that's basically what I survive on out here. Which is good. And eggs are fairly easy to digest. That's not a big deal. But, um, you know, a lot of protein requires a lot of strong hydrochloric acid. So I have found if I'm going to eat, you know, okay. a, a, a big serving of steak or, or whatever it might be, I'll pop a couple hydrochloric acid because it helps. That's interesting because I've had two full rack of ribs just this week. That's that's how heavy a meat I eat. So yeah, so, I'll have to look so, back here in my cubby hole. I think I think I've got some HCL. Ed, so for ribs, I would actually probably try both. Ribs are high in protein and high in fat. Right. Okay. So in other words, I've just got some experimentation, but I thank you, though. You've at least narrowed it down to where I can start focusing a little more. Another quick question. I'm sure one or both of those things are going to resolve this. Thank you. Uh, A little bit earlier in the show, you mentioned that the tribes have been combined. I am a truck tribe subscriber. Uh, do I need, but I haven't been seeing anything health related in there for the last, I mean, I'm usually in there once or twice a week. Do I need to go in there and refresh that app or is there a new app that I need to download? There, no, there is no, or new, do we pay there, double or do uh, I have to subscribe again? None of the above, whether you log into truckingtribe.com or healthytribe.com, you're going to end up in the same place now. That, that we made the change in the background. It was seamless for everybody else, and we're not charging double. Now, I. Okay, I, so but, I basically uh, need to close the me, app out and re log in. Uh, let me clarify something. 
I probably shouldn't answer this question right now. Believe it or not, it's our own product and I'm not up to date on this. We've been so busy and this is kind of Aaron's project. I'll tell you how I found out about it. I logged in one day and I'm like, well, this looks different. I didn't know we were doing it yet. I had requested it a long time ago. We talked about it, but we hadn't, as far as I know, I I don't go to all of our meetings. Um, So I need to get updated on this, where we are, how it all worked. Um, Part of the reason I I didn't jump right on it and because it's probably going to keep changing. I mean, we're, we're really, we've got plans to make these sites much better, much easier to navigate. And then we are also working on a subscription that would combine a lot of our services. So we'll, we'll give a couple different levels, um, but make it easier to combine our services and it'll save you some money. So we're, we're still in the middle of all that. That's why I haven't put a lot of time into figuring this out or trying to explain it because it's still changing. Okay. Well, one thing's for sure. It's always worth that after everything's said and done, I'm one of those cheap states that always hesitate to spend money. But I've got to say that I've never been disappointed in one thing or one expense that I've thrown your way. So I'll be looking forward to more. Well, thank you for that feedback because we work hard on that. You know, my, our, our formula is based on value. It, what, whatever we put out in the world to sell to somebody has to have value and it has to have more value than what you're paying us for. That, that's how a good economy should work. And, and that's what we strive for. Right. When, I, when I look at a product and a price point, we have to make some money to carry this product or, or we'll go out of business and there has to be value there. So, you know, on things we control, like I, the best example I have is the CMC. I, I said over and over, and I believe it, the CMC had 10 times more value than what you paid to be there. And that was an $1,800 ticket. There is no doubt in my mind that everybody who came could find a way to save ten dollars or $20,000 because of what they learned at the CMC. And that was our goal. And that's our goal on every product. You, we want you to get far more value than what you paid us. Yes, and it definitely does come through. There's no question. Well, thank you for that. But anyhow, that was it for today. I thank you very much for all the time that you and your team put together. It's well worth every penny. You're welcome, and we do appreciate the support. Let's go to Oklahoma. Bob, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Hey, for that deodorant, I've been using apple cider vinegar for four years. Never have a problem. Now, if I get some grass, yeah, I just put apple cider vinegar on little cotton rounds. Why? It, it takes what? any odor where and did, it goes away. Where did you find that? Why have I never heard that? Uh, Paul Saladino years ago. Really? And then he said, if you do have beyond because you're, you don't have a clean enough diet. Oh, that, now, I, that I if believe. I have, if I have grass-fed, grass-finished meat, because I'm just strictly carnivore, I do not think. But if I run out and I get some Walmart meat, good God almighty. Isn't that I mean, crazy? You have to, you, you've got to put it on the, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But for the I, most I believe part, it. If, for the most part, I don't even wear it. Now, when you put it on, if you want to dilute it 50-50 with some water, that's fine. Um, but I just, so, you know, uh, I, had some, I had a Walmart steak last night and I just had to put some on today. Interesting. So one of the explanations for that could be that 
you know, raw apple cider vinegar is loaded with bacteria. I mean, it's one of the reasons we eat it. It's a probiotic food. Maybe that's just more yeah. of the, the good bacteria we're supposed to have on our skin. Yeah. Yeah, because it neutralizes all, I mean, it literally instantly, instantly. Interesting. I wonder. And I, and I guess I, there's, I, other, there's different ones. I, you got to get the one with the mother or something like well, that. Well, yeah, so let, the mother on let me just explain that. So if you go to the grocery store and you look for Heinz apple cider vinegar, don't buy it. That's pasteurized. It's clear. You can see right through it. It's not cloudy. That has no bacteria in it. That's just flavored vinegar at that point. It's got no real health benefit whatsoever. Raw, unpasteurized apple cider vinegar with the mother and the mother is kind of like the scoby in kombucha making. The mother is the kind of the big ball mm-hmm. of, of bacteria and yeast that make apple cider vinegar what it is. But it's got to be raw, unpasteurized. Now, I'm thinking something yep. here. What, what would happen if we were to try to mix apple cider vinegar and coconut oil? That would be very interesting. I'm thinking that it might go on better and it might like hold better. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it might. I might try that. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 I was surprised when I, when I found that out and then I was playing around with different sorts of meats, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's very interesting. That and then is. it sort of makes sense how, you know, the, the little fad about taking a shot of that or something to lose weight or whatever to get it in your gut to do something. Well, now you're adding that bacteria in there. Correct. So there, there's something there. Yep. So. Yeah. So, and the reason we use but, coconut oil as the base of deodorants is because coconut oil is antibacterial. Coconut oil kills the bad bacteria. It, it tends to not kill the good bacteria. So that's one of the reasons for right. using coconut oil as a base. So I'm thinking maybe coconut oil and raw apple cider vinegar. Here's an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Try it this weekend. Uh, see what you uh, see what you think when you're working on the garden. Good stuff. I like that. Thanks. All righty. You have a good one. You too. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Michigan. AJ, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, thanks for taking my call. I was uh, piggybacking off of Bob's call. I thought he was going to steal my thunder a little bit, but actually it was a good segue into what I had to, oh, what I called about. So I, I got the dental detox kit, and which I also going to comment on, but it came with a little sample of deodorant. I, I that thought so. I just, I just wasn't sure, and I see that we're not carrying the deodorant in our store. I need to ask Lisa why. Maybe we just didn't know if it would be sometimes – vendors can't wholesale us stuff. Sometimes the vendor just doesn't have enough uh, margin to be able to wholesale it. And if we can't get it at a good enough margin, then we just can't carry it in the store. I I don't know, but I'm going to go check on this because there seems to be a lot of interest in it. Yeah, it's got, uh, it's coconut. One of the first ingredients is coconut oil in it. Yeah, and uh, essential oils. And it's pretty good. It comes in a little cardboard, comes in a little paper like container. It's round. You just push it up. Yeah. I don't have all that plastic nonsense going on, but I like it. Good, good. So what do you so think the about the... Detox uh, kit, yeah. That thing is great. Uh, the tongue scraper starts it off, which is pretty cool. And then, uh, yeah, just I've been looking for something for a long time because it was like the last part of everything that I cleaned up. Cleaned up everything else, got rid of a bunch of toxins, and then I got this 
toothpaste I know is no matter how clean you get them, it seems like they're all garbage, you know? Right. So, um, this is just the, you just put the powder on the, well, you wet the toothbrush, dip it in the powder, go to town. You just take that little oil that's in there that's peppermint, spearmint flavored, and it's really not too, uh, powerful. And you just take a couple drops and put that on the powder before you scrub and, I think it's it's wonderful. I gotta get. I want to get another one for my wife. Uh, I looked at the oil. It's got melaleuca oil, tea tree oil, which she reacts to. Really? Open. She's working with Lauren right now. Okay. I'm hoping, I'm hoping she'll stop reacting to that. But we have, uh, you know, cleaners with melaleuca oil in them, and uh, any of them that have the cleaners, and it gets on her hands. She so, freaks out. So you may want to. You may want to have her try the oil anyway. The reason being those cleaners use large quantities, whereas the the oil's not going to be that intense. So she may be okay. And if not, you know, when Lauren's working with her, that will probably resolve. Yeah, I just looked since since I didn't look at this before. um, This is an awesome deodorant. I mean, what they're using is exactly what I just talked about. Um, you know, we want to have bentonite clay and, you know, the coconut oil, they have bentonite clay, coconut oil, then they use magnesium, zinc oxide and arrowroot powder. This is, if you're going to use a deodorant, this is a really good one. Yeah, it's, uh, I was, I was psyched to see that. I was was excited to open the box, but then I seen that in there. I was like, oh man. Yeah. This is great. Um, what else was I gonna say? Oh, so we have a we have a kit with a bunch of different essential oils in it. So essentially, she can make <laughs> no pun intended, but she can make um, that oil and just add it to olive oil because I think that's what's in it. Is olive yes. oil is the main yeah. ingredient, and then it's just a bunch of uh, essential oils. Correct. So she can make her own. Yeah, that that's just won't be in that. In, in uh, that, could, I guess we could pour it in there. Yeah, in that case, we're using the olive oil as what we call a carrier oil to kind of dilute. The, the, the essential oils can be really powerful. Uh, you do have to be careful with them. Oh, yeah. And if we're going to use them in products like toothpaste, we should make sure we're getting food-grade essential oil, which is different. Uh, but they're so, so potent yeah. that you're using a drop, and then we need a carrier oil, so we either use coconut oil or olive oil or avocado oil. Yeah, yeah we were making our own for a while there, and it was coconut oil-based and then yeah. baking soda. Yep. And essential oils. But this one, I don't know, this is different. It, it gives you that grittiness, you know, which sometimes the baking soda, you really got to add a lot to get it. We were playing around with it, but glad this stuff came out. Yes, absolutely. And I love the feedback on the, um, the uh, oral kit because I think it's awesome. I really, what a, what a great system she's put together there. Absolutely. All right, I'll get off here. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Have a good day. You're welcome. Have a great day. Let's uh, let's roll on through the calls here. We're going to head off to Ohio. Greg, welcome to the program. Oh, Greg, are you there? Hmm. I thought I saw this call earlier. What happened? I'm going to put you back in the queue. We'll see if we can figure out what's going on there. Uh, we'll stay in Ohio. We'll go to Herschel instead. Herschel, welcome. Hey, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Well, I, uh, well, I've been consistent over the years since you started this thing. Me in the bathroom, we have our issues. Yes. Ages, ages ago when, when Kim was there, um, I was having trouble. I was using a magnesium then and I have continued it. It is a, let me look here. 
magnesium as magnesium citrate and oxide, 500 milligrams. I've been doing that one for ages. So Kim told me back back then, and I still wasn't having a lot of luck. She says, try four beta TCP. All right. Well, it worked. It worked great. I said, awesome. So I just kept doing it. Why not? Beta TCP will never hurt you. But um, I have been getting this weird. Now, it's not the woozy, weird, dizzy feeling that you're ever going to stumble. You're never going to fall. Nothing like that. It, the best way I could describe it is it feels like my head's in the clouds. <laughs> it's really strange. Um, an odd feeling in the chest. So I thought, I just wonder. But as you know, the Internet and medical anything, you could type in, will a banana cause you to burp? And there'd be 75 reasons why it will. Then you could type in, will water make you burp? And it will agree again. So and, I typed in about and I could I, I could probably and I could probably type in will bananas cause cancer and it will tell me they do somewhere. Oh, I'm sure it will. So I thought, well, I just wonder, is there such a thing as magnesium toxicity? So sure enough, there, it does exist. And the symptoms, of course, match several that I experienced. So I thought, well, I don't know what my levels are, obviously, but I'll just skip the magnesium, see what happens. So I did, and day one, skipping the magnesium, I was okay. Day two, day three, they said, oh boy, Katie, bar the doors, here we go. So I did the magnesium again, and man, I was a busy boy. Not drastic and disaster like you talk about, right. just busy. Right, yeah, no, I get it. it and But after a couple of days, I started feeling like my head was in the clouds again. So, damn it. Uh, so, and, do you ha- so you got any bright idea? It's, is ox- does oxalate cause that? And maybe I'm overloaded and I don't even know it. I, any ideas? Oxalates could be a factor. I think the other factor is our body can become dependent on things. So if we take Ah, them, I I wondered about that too. Yes. We take them orally and our body becomes dependent on them and stops producing something on its own. Then we quit this and we get the symptoms. You got the constipation. What you're going to have to try to do to, to prove this because you've already done most of the work. You stop something, you're weird, you know, head issues resolved, which that's a fairly good indication the magnesium was causing it. But the constipation came back. So we we have to try to work through the constipation without going to the magnesium yet to to see if that really is what's happening. Um, Here's the thing I will tell you. When I find when I find people who are eating mostly animal products long term, almost all the digestive issues disappear on their own. We're not even using kits. I mean, you don't, I I talked about a kit today. That's the first time I've talked about a digestive kit in a long time. I truly believe that all of our digestive issues come down to plants. Okay, so what you're telling me is slam your finger in the door. It'll hurt like hell, but it's still worse than eating animal products. Uh, yeah, I, I think <laughs> what I'm yourself. <laughs> so what I'm trying to tell you is, is 
we want to take away the magnesium, but we don't want you dealing with constipation. So what is the answer? And the best answer I've found is eat a lot of animal products and very few plants for now, at least uh, until, eat, until we can see. I don't see eat if a this, lot of plants, but I, I don't eat a lot of plants, but maybe I'm eating the wrong ones. I don't even know. But that's the other issue too. I have changed the plants that I eat. You know, I eat, Right now, I'm eating a lot of asparagus because it's coming fresh out of the garden and it doesn't have hardly any issues. Asparagus just seems to be one of those. Now, this is interesting. Asparagus is also, asparagus is asparagus. We're eating the same stuff that was growing a thousand years ago. We haven't really domesticated asparagus much. It's kind of similar to what, and I know people that say they they know where it grows wild and they go get it. Maybe that's why asparagus doesn't have a lot of problems because it's a more natural plant that we haven't messed with as much. Now, the last time I ate asparagus, so, I did uh, asparagus with a little bit of olive oil, bake it, and put pink, pink Himalayan on it. And, ooh, boy, that did not like me at all. I felt like a swelled up toad. So oh, I well, to then. Oh, well, stay away from that then. I don't know what that's all about. But, yeah, anytime you get a reaction like that. Well, yeah, it never did it to me before, but it did it that time. So I thought, well, we'll just leave that alone. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Um, so there, weird. you know, there yeah. are there are plants that have fewer problems than other plants. So we we do try to lean towards those, but I, especially while you're trying to work out this magnesium constipation issue, I would try to be as strict carnivore as you can be. With the one part of carnivore I would either minimize or avoid would be dairy. Dairy can really mess with your digestion. Yeah, that's something that's even on my sensitivity list, so I try to stay away from that completely. Yeah, yeah, but I would, I would try dropping the magnesium again. Maybe, maybe titrate off of it. Maybe start to to cut your dose down each day if you can. I haven't tried that yet, but I have thought of it. I have not tried. That I, yet. I I would try okay. that. Yeah. All right, I'll let you be. Try to have a good one. All right, thanks for the call. Hey, I am going to update um, what I said about Lumi. Like I said, I hadn't done any research on it, really, uh, very little. I need to go do a lot of research before I would ever recommend this product. I'm shocked. I can't pronounce anything on the ingredient list. Let me give it a shot. Um, Neopental glycol dihep. To no eight. <laughs> yeah, I butchered that. PPG 15, sterile ether, cornstarch, ozocorite, sterile alcohol, isodocaine, isopentyldiol, maranta, arundanacea, root powder, laurel laurate, mandelic acid. Sorbitane, oleate, fragrance, silica, panthenol, caffeine, and ethyl hexoglycerin. Whew. I can't recommend that. I can't pronounce any of this stuff, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'll go do this research or not. It looks like a lot of work. Uh, maybe sometime, but not anytime soon. Stick to the stuff we know. Maybe this isn't as promising as I thought. It might work really well, but it might be uh, might be stuff we want to avoid. So um, don't don't use Lumi based on my recommendation because I'm not recommending it now. 
Uh, let's grab another call. Let's see if Greg's there now. Greg, are you there? Yes. Hey, Kevin. Perfect. What's on your mind? Can you today? hear me? Well, I'm going to say Michael Stanley and Diana Iris all the way. Oh, good. It's hard to find somebody who even knows who they are. I used to live in Cleveland, and WMMS 101 FM was my station. Yes. Yes. Hey, um, quick story. So you remember all the iconic DJs from WMMS, which, by the way, if people don't realize this, the reason the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland, there's two reasons. Um, One, because of the iconic DJs at WMMS. They were popular. They pushed for this. The other reason is that is where the term rock and roll started. Did you know that? Yes, sir, I did. Yeah, so there was, uh, and I'm drawing up, do you remember his name now? I'm drawing a blank on the DJ. What was that guy's name? Uh, Leo Sir. No, um, Kid Leo, Kid Leo. No, I remember, Kid Leo's part of my story, actually, but I haven't got to that part of it yet. He wasn't the one that coined the phrase, though. It was way earlier than Kid Leo. No, he didn't, oh. Um, Oh, yeah, way, way back. uh, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to search it. Every Friday, every Friday. At 6 p.m., they always had that. Yeah, I know. That I announced that. I, I should remember this. Um, why can't I find this guy's name? Okay, here's who invented the term. He was, he was a big name. Uh, Alan Freed. That's it. That's, That's who right. it was. Alan Freed uh, coined the term rock and roll. Um, That's that whole reason, and then the DJs at WMMS, that's how we got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Um, my Kid Leo story, because I grew up with all those DJs. Uh, Michael Stanley actually ended up becoming a DJ on WMMS, which was kind of interesting. I think he may still be. I'm not sure. He passed, he passed away. Did he? I can't keep track of all these musicians that died. It seems like there's been a ton of them. So obviously he's not a DJ anymore then, but he was a DJ at, yeah, at, at, at WMMS after his kind of music Yes, he career. did have a show. Yes, he had a show. Yes. Yeah. So when I, they, I've only, when I was at Sirius XM, um, I was only in the studios once. I, I went to New York and I spent a week down there. So I did my show from you know, a couple different studios and hung out and um, I'm walking around the building and just, you know, looking in studios and seeing people. And I, the door was open. I walk up to the studio. I look in, it's Kid Leo. He was at Sirius XM, probably still is. I don't know. Uh, so I went in and, you know, introduced myself and that was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, I was, I was up there and looked in through those windows one time myself and I, I was there when Matt the Cat was doing his uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. There's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big names came yep. out of that radio station. Oh, and it was the best. It was the best. It was. But the no reason doubt. for my call is I had a, I have a niece that's being been treated for lupus. And I asked her one time, so what would you do to get rid of it? And she says, there's nothing you can do. The doctor says there's nothing. So they just prescribe medicine to her. Bullshit. I know. I remember you was talking about a book that, uh, a, a lady put out, I can't remember the name of the book or the author. I don't either. I don't ever rem- remember making a book specifically or a book recommendation specifically for lupus. It wasn't specifically for it, but it was like a protocol in that book. 
Yeah. Go ahead and let me know what uh, she can do. Yes. And I've probably changed my mind over time on this. So maybe there was a point where I had a recommendation. You do know that she's got to radically change her diet, right? Yeah, I've explained that to her. That That's the only answer. And that is the answer. And that's first. I, I, I have no recommendations on supplements yet. I have no recommendations on protocols. All I have a recommendation on is get her as close to good, clean carnivore as she can get. And this can resolve. Yeah, I told her she's going to have to stop all grains, 100%. Absolutely. The grains are a no-go, total no-go. Vegetables are, are iffy. We need to minimize all the plant foods. We need to really focus on good quality animal products, meat, seafood, eggs. Um, I would try dairy to see if she gets any weird reactions. And if she does, I would either skip dairy or if you can find good quality raw organic dairy somewhere, many times that isn't reactive. Otherwise, just skip the dairy mm-hmm. uh, and and just minimize plants. Eat eat the minimal amount of plants you can get away with and, and focus on animal foods. That may be all it takes. I've seen things like this resolve just from the dietary change alone. Well, I guess for some people, it has to be really, really deathly on your deathbed before you even consider anything good. Um, and I've been talking to her and talking to her, speaking, you know. I, I know a lot of people who are on their deathbed and won't change because they don't believe it's going to help. See, Luke, Nobody knows he, until he, they can he, try. And I, here's, why, here's why I don't make specific recommendations for certain things like lupus. And there's a ton of others, like over 100 conditions I could name that we don't focus on the condition itself because that's not the root cause. Lupus is an autoimmune condition. There are over a hundred of them. They're all the same. They have all the same root cause. We have digestive issues, basically leaky gut from the grains, the glyphosate, all the, the additives in our foods that causes leaky gut. Leaky gut allows foreign substances to get into our bloodstream where our immune system sees them and reacts to them. And depending on what is getting into our bloodstream, that will determine which system or organ in the body it's going to attack. If something leaks into your bloodstream that looks a lot like the proteins that are in your thyroid, you're probably going to get an autoimmune thyroid condition. If it looks like the proteins you find in your joints, you're probably going to get an autoimmune arthritis condition. So they're all the same, even though they seem wildly different. So we treat them all the same. That's why there's no specific book on these. There's no specific protocols many times. It is, we have to clean up the diet and heal the gut. So lots of bone broth, collagen. We have some supplements that can heal the digestive tract. That's what we have to work on. What irritates and destroys our digestive tract are plants and and the, the compounds that are in plants. So we have to minimize or eliminate the plants and then heal the gut and then the autoimmune condition will go away. We, we've proven this many times. Is the, and I have a question about the, the keto um, collagen. Is it, is it good for you or no? What do you mean keto collagen? I'm not sure. Like you put it, uh, what do you put in your uh, bulletproof coffee? 
Oh, yeah. I wouldn't call it keto collagen. It's just collagen. Collagen is just that we have tons of collagen in our body. Animals have collagen. So, yeah, collagen's good for a lot of things. It's good for our skin. It's good for our hair, our nails, our connective tissue. So, yeah, getting more collagen. And collagen, to me, isn't really a supplement. It's a food. Okay. And I have to tell you, I wouldn't be driving the truck still yet today. This is my 35th year. That if I wasn't listening to you, I wouldn't be out here because I am diabetic. I've listened to you and did the things you say to do, and I've got a two-year card, and I'm keeping it. Excellent. I love that. Congratulations. Thank you for being there for all of us. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Connecticut. Sarah, what are you doing in Connecticut? Oh, we delivered a load in Massachusetts up from Denver, and we're... And then to Pennsylvania and then California for a wedding. Got it. Okay. What's on your mind today? Um, Sarah Ballantyne, uh, the autoimmune paleo. Good. Um, good protocol. choice. Yeah. Or, good. Good choice. I like that. It's a, it's not specifically for lupus, but it, it's got a lot of good information for anybody dealing with any autoimmune condition. Yeah. And, you know, if we think about it and I've you haven't heard me say the AIP paleo diet in a long time, we used to recommend it a lot because really um, carnivore is just a better version. Right. I mean, really, all of the elimination diets, for the most part, they're eliminating some sort of a plant food, right? Uh Do we ever eliminate animal products other than dairy? Dairy. Sometimes eggs. Yeah, sometimes other eggs. Other than that, I can't, I can't think of any. Right. Some uh, people are allergic to fish. Yeah, but I those are, really, you're right, those are is, specific allergies sometimes show. And usually those will go away when somebody's eating a carnivore diet anyway. They'll resolve themselves. So, you know, over time, and we've talked about this, but this is a really specific case. Um, that's kind of why I, it's not that the AIP paleo diet wouldn't work. It, it works. I've used it several times myself, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't use it again. Mm-hmm. I, I, just just eat carnivore. That's that's the same thing. You're, you're pretty well compliant with AIP paleo if you're only eating carnivore, less dairy. Right. But it's a good book. But, I mean, uh, I, if, I, he was, if he was looking for a, a book. Yeah. To, the, and that um, is a good recommendation. It, it explains the whole process of leaky gut and all those issues. So, yeah, that's a great recommendation. Thank you. And it's Valentine with a B, not like Valentine's Day. Good point. Yes. All right. That, that's all I had uh, for today. Thank you for the Crocs, by the way. They are beautiful. Oh, oh, maybe that's not all I had. I when I was in the co-op the other the other day, and I found something a new tool to use in fermenting. It's called a soup sock. It is a just a fine cotton mesh bag that you might put that some people might put uh, vegetable scraps in to make a stock. Um, but we can use that in fermenting when you want to keep put like you have a lot of stuff cut up real fine and you want to keep it all below the brine. Put oh. it in the soup stock and just weigh that whole stock down. That's you don't a, have to worry about stuff floating up. That's a great idea. And I have a ton of those bags in all different sizes. I bought a bunch of them when I was doing the uh, fermented hot honey, because if you put all the stuff in the bag, then it's really easy to just pull it all out of the honey. Uh, that's a great idea for mm-hmm. fermenting. Especially if you're fermenting. 
especially if you're fermenting on the road, because no matter how how you weigh things down, <laughs> when you are bumping <laughs> it, down the road, stuff will come loose and does. pop up above that brine. Right. And if it does, you're just that much more likely to get mold. Uh, so I like that idea. That's awesome. Muslin is the yeah, material, so this, isn't this it? Is I think this one is cotton. Is I'm it? Not sure. Okay. Cotton. I think muslin may it, even be a it, form it, of it, cotton. It's a, it's, okay. Yeah. It's just a raw, raw cotton yeah. color, kind of a beige, light kinda, brown, yeah. yeah, beige. That's the right word. Yeah. Perfect. That's a great. So I, I found a couple of why, those when I was excited. Why didn't, why didn't we think of that on our own? Seems so simple. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Seems so easy. Why didn't we think of that? We're fighting all this time to try to keep everything under the brine. Stick it in a bag. Great idea. Yeah, I know. And it was on a cle- it was on a clearance shelf, and I'm like, oh, I know yeah. what I can use. <laughs> I have a drawer full of them. I bought like four or five different sizes to figure out what would work best. Yeah. So I'm, I'm my next fermented. I cut stuff. So sometimes I cut stuff up real fine. I just, and like I said, when you're bumping down the road, stuff oh, yeah. pops up and it's, it's annoying. Yep. So just, just weigh that bag down. You don't have to worry about anything. Especially good for making kibasas, like beet kibasas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> because I, I usually use one beet in a large jar right. because I want a lot of the brine. Right. So that becomes the kibasa or, or radishes. I want a lot of brine and not so much vegetables. Uh, so you want, it, it's harder to keep that weight down, but with that soup stock, that, that should work real good. I will post, I took a picture of uh, two packages together, one front and back. So I'll post that up in, um, you know, healthy tribe here in a couple hours. Yeah. I just thought of something too. The idea of making kvass, you don't want to use as much beet. And then with the bag idea, you could almost mince the beets. And then you have a lot more surface mm-hmm. area, so it doesn't take nearly as much to create a good, strong kvass. That's a great idea. Right. Yeah, because I chopped up, um, I chopped up turmeric root, garlic root, and something else I can't remember now. And I stuck them in a ferment, and those little pieces just kept popping up. But oh man, is it so good! Yes, it's almost gone now. I'm yeah. Done. But what I do like to do when I have when I have a, a good amount of brine left in um, left in a ferment jar, something I, I just played with recently is get um, you know sprouts like broccoli sprouts and radish sprouts, real good nutrient dense. I know we're getting away from plants and stuff, but the, if you throw a container of sprouts into your uh, ferment brine and let them sit for a day and then scoop them out and maybe add a little mayo. That is a very tasty little salad. Oh yeah. I like that. And for anyone who who doesn't like the spiciness of of some of those sprouts, it takes the spiciness right out, but it still has a good flavor. Excellent. Great recommendations. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. You too. Thanks for the call. All right. We're going to wrap this up. I said I was going to go two hours today, and then I totally forgot about that and just kept going because there were calls. So I've got to get out of here and get busy. Um, I am going to do a Twitter space at noon today. So if you're not on Twitter, come on over. Sign up. Doesn't take long. We need to support the only platform that is attempting free speech. We're not there completely. Weird thing keeps happening and I keep sending them emails and I'm not getting any response. 
Um, I see Dr. Mercola is back on Twitter and he can post. If I try to post something that goes to Dr. Mercola's site, they won't let me. Wish they'd get this all fixed, but uh, still the best we've got. So come on over and join me at noon. Just join Twitter, follow me, and then click the button right next to follow, which is notifications. You'll get notified when I start it. And if you're going to be there, jump in and talk. I, I, I don't want this to be just me talking. And if that's what it turns into, I'm going to eventually drop this. So hopefully we can get this into a true, just kind of open conversation. We will see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.